Hi there, welcome and thank you for tuning in. My name is Jason Shoulder and this is Learning to Fail. People are complicated and Asheville attracts a lot of complicated people. My guest today is Michael Hurd. Michael is one of my favorite friends. I've seldom met such an interesting combination of beings. Contractor, therapist, Buddhist, polyamorous, ecstatic dancer. No matter what kind of problem I think I'm having, Michael is often my first call. So, how do you like learning to fail? Have you learned to like failing, or do you fail to like learning? Whatever the case, thank you for listening. Please keep tuning in weekly and help us to reach more people by telling them. I love reading reviews on iTunes. If you haven't already done so, please take a moment to rate our podcast and write a review of your own. It's free, but it's invaluable. Make sure you check out our website, ltfpod.com, and visit our Amazon page every time you buy anything online. By clicking on our link before you shop, you can support the podcast without spending a nickel of your own money. You can also drop a dime on our donation page. Every little bit helps. As always, the most important thing you can do is simply to listen to the podcast and inspire others to do the same. We encourage everyone to try learning to fail with or without adult supervision. And now it's time for my conversation with Michael Hurd. He is simultaneously quick-witted and soft-spoken, hot-tempered yet skilled at the art of nonviolent communication, charismatic but single. Michael is capable of extreme connection and yet struggles with aspects of intimacy. This interview is truly two guys talking. Friends who know each other well, alternate playing the straight man, and can't stop one-upping each other's jokes. How long is this? How much time you got? You in a rush? You already got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I blocked out two hours. Yeah, that's usually about two hours. Usually by two hours, you're done, I'm done. Anyone who might ever be listening is done. <laughs> Both listeners have given up. Yeah, right. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Me and <you>. them. <laughs> so first of all, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. And uh, this is just a conversation that we're recording. So it shouldn't be any different. <laughs> uh, we're, I should say recording and broadcasting to the world. So um, uh, it shouldn't be any different than when you and I have lunch. Mm -hmm. uh, and if I do ask you anything you don't want to talk about, you don't have to talk about it. But I will be disappointed. Uh, <laughs> much like lunch. <laughs> much like lunch. <laughs> well, lunch is usually more disappointing than uh, any answers that you may or may not give me. Fair enough. We usually have pretty good talks. Um, so I will introduce you. I'm here with Michael Hurd, who's a really good friend of mine here in Asheville. Uh, and, um, I've known Michael since I worked for him for like a couple of days, <laughs> a couple of torturous days, a couple of torturous days. It was a couple of weeks, but by the end we were both done with that relationship. Um, but I think professionally, no, that's what I'm saying with that relationship. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Um, but 
somehow, I don't know what we saw in each other, but we <laughs> <laughs> we decided there was a friendship there that was worth having, and um, and I'm happy about that because I I consider you one of my best friends, and certainly one of my favorite friends. Even even if not my best, certainly one of my favorite. <laughs> I don't know that those are the same. You know, I have friends who might be really great friends like mm. really they're like best friends they do things mm. that best friends do but they're not always your favorite that's not always the same um it's, but you you uh you managed to land in both categories my, i'm honored i'm so, honored and it's um, it's a mutual feeling oh well thank you yeah i don't mind you just saying that either if it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're on the air <laughs> yeah I, mean, I don't really care if you mean it <laughs> as long as it's nice i'll take it so it's funny, I was listening to Mark Marin, who um, in some ways, like my inspiration for wanting to do a podcast is definitely um, sourced in what I've listened to with Mark Marin. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't suffer from all the same issues he does, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a new comedian. He's an existing comedian. Uh, I don't share his addictive um, disposition, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm really inspired by the stories he tells and the conversations he has you know with people who he cares about and people even he doesn't know and they just delve into all the stuff and so that that was one of the things that got me going on this whole project nice um and i think i have interesting friends and i know i have interesting relationships mm -hmm. and and interesting is also is a word you know um gets for, thrown around a, synonym a lot for complicated but uh you know like that should be an option on facebook for relationship status like interesting, interesting. <laughs> not just it's complicated. It's interesting. Single, married, it's complicated. It's interesting. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe interesting comes before complicated. You know, like uh -huh. yeah. Well, there's a gradient. Yeah, married. Yeah, there's a, oh, there's definitely a gradient. Yeah, <laughs> married. And isn't it like single? It's complicated, and then married or something like that. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I think it'd be single. It's interesting. It's complicated. I'm married. Uh -huh. <laughs> I guess that's how I view it. Would there be degrees of each? Or like, is it mildly interesting, or like it's kind of a funny story? Yeah, that would <laughs> that would be a great one. <laughs> single, interesting, kind of a funny story. Complicated. Uh -huh. I, I like kind of a funny story. And then what about just I can't really put it into words. I can't, I'm not allowed to talk about not, it. Oh. <laughs> I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Yeah, that would be a good one too. Yeah, right. So since we're on the topic of relationships, are you in one? Uh, let's see. N no. Really? No. Not really. Um, okay. <clears throat> I'm having, having a new, I've been exploring polyamory. And I was seeing a woman for about eight months. Wonderful um, woman who is married and I become friends with her husband and, um, it's in a lot of ways, great relationship and she's amazing. She's a wonderful person. And I, it wasn't quite clicking on all cylinders for me. Um, so that's why I shifted it, but something about polyamory, it's like, this isn't really exactly true, but it's, it's, it's twisting my brain a little bit. Um, if you're not restricted in who you can love by the, by the commitment of your relationship, right. then why would you even, like for a new relationship, why would you even say that we are together or not together? Why do you even have to make that designation? Because there's so much 
um, attachment and pain around that thing. Like we are together, quote, or we are not together. I mean, it starts in third grade. You get a note, you know, from Susie. And there's the check boxes. Or you, it's or, complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to be, here's a list of the kinds of relationships it's I'd a, like to have with you. Future baby mama. <laughs> Susie was a very intelligent third grader. Susie was way ahead. Yeah. So, you know, or we, or we send her the note. And, that, and then you, from then on, you're like, you're going out. Right. And in quotes. Like I... I think at one point I was going out with someone in school and it, I don't even know what that meant. Right. Yeah. We didn't. I was going around. We were called, called it going around. Going around. And I don't really know what that. It's, that means even less than going out. <laughs> I guess it's because you're too young to go out. You but do. you can go around. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like around it, school. <laughs> yeah, I can go around the playground or, you know. And there was this one couple. I had gone out with Shelly first and then she was dating Jeff. Oh, and uh, yeah, Shelly was my first like heart pain you know i don't even know why like i didn't even like her particularly as a person but you know she asked me around hey (laughs) (laughs) and uh and i was like sure and then you know i i think there were like a few phone calls but Uh that was before like everyone was quite as telephony as we are today right and um so that on the other hand that means a phone call meant something Mm. but uh, I just remember nothing really coming of it. And then she broke up with me, whatever that meant. It just, uh-huh. she, she not going around me. She's not, she's not going around. You. Right. We're not, she, she now went, she's going around, she went around me. She, she, she went around without me. <laughs> like on the highway when your car breaks down. Yeah. She went like just right around me. She's coming around. Yeah. Coming around. Just go, go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's, uh, and she ended up with Jeff and I remember she Jeff. and Jeff, would walk on oh, fucking Jeff. Jeff. Jeff, that guy. Jeff. So we're allowed to swear. Is that all right? We can. This is, there are no restrictions in this room. Oh, I love it. What happens in this room stays on the internet. It's <laughs> <laughs> forever. Forever. Yeah. No, no, there's nothing. Um, people listen to this at their own risk. Fair enough. Um, and come in this room at their own risk. But mm-hmm. I mean, not peril, I would like to think. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but not um, no, I, danger. this is not a place to restrict your. Uh, Fair enough. Self-expression. All right. So I interrupted you. Well, I interrupted you, but that's, that's part of what my we're job. doing. <laughs> that's this <laughs> it's is a conversation. That's what I, that's, <laughs> with me. It's a Jewish conversation. <laughs> a Jewish conversation. I thought it was just a Jason conversation, but I'm, I'm glad to know that I no. got it from somewhere. No. Um, we will it. get back to you, my guest, in just a moment. <laughs> uh, but Jeff, and just a little parentheses on Jeff, I remember uh, he went skiing with me and my dad once, and we were Wait, riding. before? Before he stole your girl, he didn't steal her. No, no, he she, didn't steal her. She okay. She didn't leave me for him. She unarounded oh. me, uh, and then was next going around with him. Got it. Later. I never felt like slighted by Jeff. You All know? right. Yeah. I okay. mean, I, there was a little bit of a huh when I saw them actually walking around together. That that was the oh. thing. Like they would walk arm in arm around the playground, like doing laps, Liter- literally, literally around. around. So I think maybe he was a very literal guy. Uh-huh. And I remember being in the back of my dad's car, riding up to the ski area, getting car sick. And we were like, what kind of songs do you like? And playing songs that, you know, like with our mouths that the other person might like. Uh-huh. And I would like, bow, 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 you know, whatever. And he would do the drums for the song. He like, I'm like, what? This is before hip hop. Like maybe with hip hop, you could identify a song by the beat. Maybe. It's tough. It's tough. But it wasn't. He was like, I'm like. 
I don't know what song that is. He's like, it's Led Zeppelin, dude. I'm like, okay. Could have been. Yeah, could have been. Could have been anything. So that was Jeff. So just uh-huh. I'm giving you a sense, like, she left me for a dumber guy. Right. Um, and But with better rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. That's not, I'm just, now I'm like, and part of me is like, is that true? That probably is true. Jeff probably had great rhythm. Um, yeah, oh, my God. So uh, back to you. That was my Shelly story. Got um, it. And, and with a little parentheses on Jeff. Mm-hmm. Story of my life is being left for guys with better, apparently better, better rhythm, rhythm drummers being left for a drummer. I even have a joke about that um, that I tell on stage. I don't uh-huh. know. Were you there for that? Left for, not left for drummers. No. Nope. Oh, there's, I tell this joke about meeting this woman who didn't want to go out with me when she found out I play guitar. Oh. And I'm like, don't most guys play guitar? Or th- don't most guys think they play guitar? Right. And, uh, or, and or say it at least. Yeah, or at least say it. Right. And uh, she's like, well, my ex-husband was in a band and he played guitar and i just don't want the same things i wanted when i was 25 i'm like that's understandable what are you looking for now and she said a drummer (laughs) (laughs) got it yeah i was like all right moving over that's a huge shift yeah sweetie (laughs) paradigm really yeah oh totally yeah so go from lead to uh the handsome quiet guy in the back okay so anyway you're you're exploring polyamory and the and the and the, the whole idea of like that we have to say that we are with someone or not with someone like she and I are parting ways and not because of any ill behavior or wrongdoing or anything like that. We didn't get in a fight, anything, just not really feeling um, that I could show up in the way that she wanted me to. She wants to, she wanted to take the relationship deeper and, build more together and uh and i wasn't feeling that and i was feeling sad that i didn't want what she wanted because i knew i knew that it was upsetting for her um so okay now what the the right thing to do then is for me to break up but this is also very sad you know for both of us and, and it's been very upsetting for her and that yeah it's it's just confusing to me like i'm starting to question like why like i have this isn't a cliche like i I, with some ex-partners i have great relationships and i have a lot of love for them like something about seeing an ex-girlfriend you know a year later like my heart like opens up right i'm like oh you know we we've been through thick and thin and we sorted out the sex piece and we're still friends right like i have this like deep deep love for for those folks and those women and and it part of me thinks i should find a partner who i've already been with like, like two years or more in the past because hmm. like my heart's already so open to them and the love and respect and we understand each other and you know important ways and but they're almost like the only pool of of women that are completely off limits other than monogamously married does that make sense well are you i mean it makes sense so you're saying emotionally you feel like you'd like to be with someone who you've already been through a lot of this with 
and you're saying they're off limits at the same time because because you've already been with them? Not off limits from my side, but just you know culturally. Oh, I see. Like, oh, we we know we went around together, so <laughs> it's a nice callback. It's <laughs> so we're not allowed to go around again. Otherwise, we're They're going around and around. Going around. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good spike. <laughs> Set that up for you. Just trying. Uh, I've got. In that <clears> case, I'm glad. I'm glad nice. I hit it. That would no, have been yeah. spot on. Uh, yeah, like I'm. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this is true of other guys, but I, I'm particularly emotionally drawn to and open to my exes. Mm. I don't know, it's almost like, you know, to have a successful relationship, we should just do a breakup early on. <laughs> Let's get the breakup out of the way. And we'll work through that and we'll be back together. And but I, <laughs> this is this is an even smaller subset of the dating population the people who would be willing to go through that <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly <laughs> so you can't I'm just, just list imagining that. the uh you know it's hard enough to ask somebody out but you're like here's what i'd like to do <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm attracted to you i think you're terrific um i'd like to break up with you in a few weeks yep let's, let's i'd like it, it to be awful let... <laughs> um because i really want us to explore it fully and then when we come back together, you know, I feel like we could really have something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll know. I mean, you know, they, they say there's these things you should do with a partner in order to really know them before you, you know, really commit. Like, I don't know, somebody said, Bill Murray or somebody said, travel for a week with your partner. Mm. You know, forget about this other stuff. Like, yeah, forget about therapy. Travel for a, a weekend. I mean, yeah. you don't have to do a whole week. <laughs> Just get trapped in a car for a few days. Yeah. And see, you know, see if Check you still want to hotel, uh -huh. be in a place that's out of their element yeah. like, and yours, you know, see how mm -hmm. people handle that. That's exactly. Totally, yeah. So go through a breakup with someone, see how they handle that. <laughs> I was no. totally just seeing how you'd handle that. That's <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, none of that was real. I mean, right. you know, <laughs> or see, see how we'd handle it. I mean, really, it's, it's well, about... Well, it won't be your... Trust me, it won't be your first time. <laughs> <laughs> so You'd think I'd be point, getting better at it. You'll know how you handle it. It'll be finding out how they handle it. But it's it's how we handle it together. Of course. You yeah. know, because... No two people break up alike. <laughs> <laughs> we all do it differently. It's... it's uh... <clears throat> yeah, we do it differently. It's like there's no snowflakes. Every breakup is like a snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> no two are alike. Wow, I'm seeing an, an inspirational poster here. Or that, I, okay, so that <laughs> I wanted to have a website. Back when websites were still a new idea, mm. relatively, mm. I wanted to build a website called breakup.com. Mm -hmm. And if you were having trouble getting out of your relationship, we would do it for you. Or just Ooh. be a research, resource. So uh -huh. you could like... You could you could buy the it's not you it's me letter you know like you could we would send and it, depending on how you know vindictive you wanted to be about it we would send flowers and a note or or whatever you know but mm -hmm. it was I love pictures this. of you with someone else <laughs> here's what's happening now <laughs> where's you oh you're not in this picture oh oh man I mean Jeez. lots of options just, for I'm just the saying there's a lot of options and we sure. were gonna be like the the Home Depot of breakups you know everything that sort of a well, not really, because that'd be a DIY. People are already doing that. This is this is like the opposite of the Home Depot for breakups. It's it's right. Amazon right. for breakups. Delivered like, to your door. Deli yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> drone, we're going to drone in your next breakup. <laughs> same day. You want same day delivery? We can, <laughs> do you need to break up today? It's only 10% extra. <laughs> you need to break. What would that be exactly for? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you've met someone you want to go around I, with. Tonight. I got the... <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to be at the playground. <laughs> Maybe you've met a drummer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to the uh, sincere. Because, you, I mean, you are talking. And I'm glad that you. Well, I'm going to say I'm glad you brought this up. But I think actually I brought it up because I said, are you in a relationship? Um, but uh, I am fascinated by polyamory. Um mm-hmm. I don't think I could do it, although I know that I could be with multiple women myself, but I don't think I could handle my partner being with multiple men. It's it's generally the harder aspect. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> am I, I'm not alone with this. You're not alone, okay. although it's not mm. it's not as consistent as you might think. Mm. Um, like uh, sometimes I've heard different preconceived notions about it, like, oh, you know, the same, like what you just said would be true for every man. Um, and the opposite would be true for women. Like they would, um, like there's these ideas that like women are just innately more loyal. Right. And men are more innately less loyal, um, more promiscuous. And it just, it, there's the snowflake situation there. Like any two or more people engaging in polyamory are doing it differently from every other two or more people engaging in polyamory. Yeah. Like the word, it's so broad. Right. Like I know a woman, she has a husband of 20 years and a lover of 10 years. And they live, she lives with her husband and the lover lives in a house just down the road. And it's all above board. Everybody right, knows course, everything. Yeah. They're all friends. The two men are actually really good friends. Well, that's part of the polyamory thing, right? It's the level of, openness and transparency it can be oh it's not that's not a given well it should be and most folks who are outspoken about polyamory do advocate for transparency and integrity but you know it just depends on who's who's doing it right of course that makes sense yeah some people are like oh law exactly (laughs) (laughs) it's not a law of physics certainly (laughs) Um, but there's no i mean there's also no sort of law governing polyamory that says you have to be that way. So of course it makes sense that people, yeah, if they're going to cheat, they're going to cheat on their polyamory. I, I even don't really love the word cheating, but if they're going to mm-hmm. go outside of their relationship, sans transparency, mm-hmm. whether it's a monogamous relationship or a polyamorous relationship, they're going to do it. If that's exactly. Yeah. In them. It's, that's an integrity issue, not a, a relationship style choice. Right. So this woman with these two partners, those are the only two men she's ever been with. So, and she's 40-ish. <clears throat> she's got two men her whole life. So, on the one hand, I think she may be the least promiscuous woman I know. Right. Or that I know of. Right. It's not something that comes up. How many men have you been with? It's not like something that comes up a lot. Not just uh, least promiscuous woman, least promiscuous person that I've ever met. But fiercely and vociferously outspoken uh, polyamory supporter so there's just like a broad range you know there's other folks who've been with you know more people than they can remember yeah two people this week yeah 
or this morning at <laughs> the playground at the oh god <laughs> oh no <laughs> that was that was truly wrong yeah um <laughs> <laughs> oh shit time to get registered <laughs> all right so <laughs> i'm actually having trouble coming back from that i can, you your fa your paint fail wow <laughs> Pale and faint, not <laughs> not fail pale and paint. paint. Well, it's, it's, that's, but I can. But you're blushing a little. Yeah. Well, I'm not blushing. Let's get that straight. Well, now I might be. No, but that just was like that was so wrong on so many levels. But funny, um, which I value funny first. Generally, mm -hmm. um, if something's funny, then it's like I almost want to say it's almost never wrong. Of course, there are things that are wrong. Sure, of course, but uh like it's certainly just in terms of comments and conversations you know yeah. like um which is something i'm exploring now because i'm doing comedy officially mm -hmm. for the first time you know and it's like i'm always looking for that edge of it's got to be funny if it also offends that's not a problem as long as it's truly funny mm -hmm. and i heard you know uh, one comedian you know quoting another comedian that saying you know the more offensive it is the funnier it has to be Mm -hmm. you know yeah and so it's like that's why i don't think newer comedians should be dancing around super sensitive issues like you know race and sure. rape and all these things sure, i mean sure. it's like because you're just you you don't have the skills to be you know diffusing those bombs yet right yeah get your game get your game on yeah get your game before, on. You, don't, before don't. you step up to the big leagues yeah and because you're gonna you blow up a whole room that way <laughs> yeah i mean truly like from the stage that's doable Mm -hmm. I've watched comedians ruin a room for the rest of the night mm -hmm. for other people. Sure. You know, yeah. And um, the experience, not necessarily from racism or whatever, but just from, you know, just being out of their league with, or just be maybe being on stage is out of their league. Like they just shouldn't mm -hmm. do it. Right. Um, well, there's, there's, it is a big mystery. Like what exactly is uh, like biologically or psychologically, what is the point of laughter? it's clearly good yeah it's clearly good it's, it's all it's only good there's no question about yeah. that but then and then if someone were to say some of these offensive things outside of a humor context i would be i would be offended like a certain half of the stuff that i've said <laughs> you'd, you'd be I, would offended. Be, I would slap the shit out of me <laughs> how dare i <laughs> but in a context of where it is funny there's some other sort of value it's like emotional therapeutic there's some other magic to yeah. it that's clearly valuable and clearly important so yeah i mean it's healing it's it's uh i haven't thought about it in those terms but it is definitely you know one of the five elements of survival you know i oh, mean yeah yeah you've got to have joy in your life and laughter is just the outward vocal mm -hmm. expression of joy mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> At least as far as I can tell, it's a distinctly human thing. Like I, laughter, maybe. Yeah. Maybe not aren't, joy. Aren't, like, I think animals certainly don't dolphins joy. like. I mean, they don't. Don't they tell jokes? <laughs> <laughs> don't they tell offensive jokes? Don't they tell offensive jokes? <laughs> what about an whales joke? and sharks? <laughs> <laughs> or fat dolphins. What would, like, what would offend <laughs> dolphins? 
Your mama dolphin is so fat. <laughs> Care for some tuna? <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Wow. All right. So <laughs> that's a funny idea. Louis C.K. does a really funny thing about the tuna and the dolphins. Have you heard him talk about mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's talking about like how it's, you know, people weren't eating tuna because they're killing dolphins. You know, mm-hmm. and, he, and he's like, but it's okay to kill the tuna. And he's like, oh, sure, everyone knows tuna are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man, that guy is the best. Brilliant. Yeah. As a comedian, he is my absolute idol. Like, I really, I, I walk this line of being totally inspired by him and making a conscious effort to not be mimicking him. Like, I was on stage mm-hmm. a couple, um, like a month or two ago. And I was talking about being middle-aged, and I almost started doing his act. I just had to abandon the bit in the middle because I was like, wait, this is, I'm about to say things that aren't mine wow. without even thinking about it. I was feeling them. Uh-huh. So it would have been coming from me, but I, I knew that I just heard it from him. Uh-huh. You know, I was like, can't say that. I just, edgy. Yeah, I just, yeah, that's yeah. a different edge. Nice catch. Um, yeah, I listen, there's no, um, for me, there's no, interest in stealing somebody else's jokes i don't even like when people give me jokes you know which my family by the way all does now like (laughs) something not funny will happen but or maybe it'll be funny in the moment and it'll be like you could use that on stage i'm like okay thanks i could yeah if i were to change it completely into something that was actually funny (laughs) that would be awesome that would be awesome okay what if it it puts you in a bad light though (laughs) (laughs) that is funny but what if yeah right but you know what would be really funny is if it was about you Oh my God. That would be great. Thank you, you for you the could slip. You could shit your pants <laughs> and then slip and fall in it. <laughs> well, that's Louis C.K. did that already. No. Yes. Oh. Both of those things separately. Oh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I need to do. I need to. Be, you need to bone, you need to you, bone you, up you on, your Louis on my LCK. Yeah. You got to do some research before you come in this room. Fair enough. Yeah. Everything else is fair game. One, one so, of my favorite friend artists is a sculptor named Susanna Zucker. Brilliant sculptress, I guess you'd say. Sculptors probably make more money, but... Okay, she's both. <laughs> um, that was a joke in Hollywood. Their actresses didn't want to... They wanted to be called actors because actors get paid more uh, instead of being called actresses. I don't think it's the word that's the issue. <laughs> might be the inherent sexism. Well, it might be the word. might be just be the the vocabulary. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it might be that Hollywood's it, run by, you know, white men, but white Jewish men. Are you one of those? Oh, shit. <laughs> well, I am a white Jewish man. I do not, in fact, run anything in Hollywood. No, what I meant was, are you one of those who's mad at Hollywood for being run by white Jewish men? Are you going to go there? But, oh, but uh, I wouldn't say I'm mad at Hollywood in particular about that i think there's so many reasons to be mad at hollywood I mean, that's true yeah. for poisoning our culture and for profiting off it and doing so little with their power to make the world a better place need i go on certainly the sexism is um it's not even on the top three for you no it's it's pretty bad i mean the racism is impressive uh what's leonardo dicaprio to play Rumi? are you fucking shitting me oh really Ru- like this is after Keanu Reeves plays the Buddha, and how many like how many white guys have played Jesus? This just in da, 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 da. <laughs> Middle East. There's no white people. Right. Jesus probably not white if he's from the Middle East, twenty five two thousand years ago. Aziz Ansari, who's an Indian American, East Indian American, uh-huh. um, comedian. 
Yeah. He does a whole either I heard him talking about it or it's on his TV show. I don't know. Uh-huh. But this whole thing about this white guy who gets all the roles to play this Indian guy. Um, you know, that that even those roles would go to this white guy. He was like famous yeah. for playing an Indian. John Wayne played played a Native American and I forget which um in one you know, one of his umpteen thousand movies. John Wayne. So you don't get much yeah, more white. Than yeah, you that. don't get more white American like cowboy. Yeah, not Native not American. Native American. <laughs> I even I've been having trouble with the the phrase Native American recently mm-hmm. because it wasn't America until exactly. it became an issue. Like they're exactly. not Native American; they're Native whatever this was before. Right, individual. We tribes. named it America. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, and then of course the tribes. But let's right. just say this land had some name. This continent, which I guess it didn't before an Italian map maker decided to name it after himself. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so I've just lately I've been thinking that that's not even a, a fair name. But then mm-hmm. if you call them the natives and that's suddenly derogatory in a different way. So it's like I, that's first that's people. One. First people I've heard is a. Oh, I like that. I love the sound of that. Yeah. It's kind of like not not just as it non-derogatory. It's also like honoring of the heritage. And yeah, it's like, hey, here's a culture that's that's managed to not um, pollute itself over the time. I mean, we've managed to pollute it, but... I think we glorify First Peoples' uh, it's true. existence. I mean, there were, you know, <clears throat> one group of First People wasn't necessarily very nice to the next group of people. Not at all. Were, you know, I mean, there was a lot of... Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems that there were a lot of the similar kind of problems. They had wars, they had this, they had that. But they did seem to live in harmony with the environment a little differently than we do. Oh, yeah. Um, their wars are much different scale, though. Well, the world was on a different scale. I mean, everything, True. everything was on a different scale at that True. point. True. And the technology wasn't there to, to be quite so distant. Yeah. No, you had to take a risk to yeah. cause damage. Yeah. You had to get in the, in the line of fire, not like... Now, where all you have to do is tell someone else, you have to be super wealthy and you tell some poor people to get into some really expensive equipment that you sold to the government, yeah, that got you super wealthy. And then you take they take that super expensive equipment and drop bombs on other folks. Well, now you just do a remote control airplane. I mean, sure. you don't even have to involve the poor, poor people. people. Yeah, they're out of a job. On one side, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, on the, <clears throat> on the victim side. Yeah. 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 Um, well, Matt Damon's rant and Goodwill Hunting. God, he just nailed it in that. Well, the writer, whoever wrote it. Oh, he, well, he and Ben Affleck wrote it. Um, they may have had probably some rewriting him, though, but <laughs> pardon me. <laughs> sorry, just a little jab at Ben Affleck. Ben, sorry. Oh, well, I didn't hear it. I said it was probably more Matt. Oh, probably it. more Matt than Ben. Maybe. I don't know. Ben's done some pretty impressive work not you know i mean he did that movie about the um iran hostages oh yeah you know i think he's done some he did pretty, that that was his movie yeah he directed it he was he was in it oh. um and then he followed it up with a, a brilliant portrayal of an armored batman yeah, well that's the thing those guys well you, no okay here's the thing those guys take those big movies yeah so, so they can to fun, finance afford the stuff, sure. to do the smaller movies or they make a deal with the studios one for you one for me Mm-hmm. So, you know, I knew, I know that, and I didn't want to get too into it, but you were sort of, you know, harshing on Hollywood a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think it's a mix, you know, and I think when these actors have enough power to have their voice heard, mm -hmm. you know, then they get to make the movies they want to make and tell the stories they want to tell. Mm -hmm. um, and so Hollywood does afford them that opportunity. I'm not um, by any means apologizing for yeah, apologizing or, or uh, ab absolving them of their responsibility and mm -hmm. the horrible decisions that they do make. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also a function of what the audience wants to see. I mean, fewer people go to see documentaries than go to see, yeah, you know, guaranteed. the new explosions and Star Wars and everything. So, uh, but anyway, that's far off topic and less interesting than polyamory and, and, um, yeah, we need to stay on topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there even a title for this episode? This episode? Not yet. The show is called Learning to Fail. Ah, we need to stay on topic. Oh, so, so far we're failing perfect. beautifully. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I, I thought a lot about what to call this whole podcast. And, mm -hmm. and then I looked for like, what's one thing we all have in common? Failure, mm -hmm. you know, not learning though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this is, but that's, that's, that's where the need for the podcast comes uh -huh. in. It's like, um, learning to fail gracefully you know learning to learn from failure all like just the phrase learning to fail opens every door imaginable mm -hmm. and to mm -hmm. me it meant that i could bring anybody in this room and talk to them mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it's not just comedians or yoga teachers or right. buddies of mine it's like there's no one who it's inappropriate to have a conversation with about this concept yeah like if you'd called it white jewish men learning to fail <laughs> slightly limiting <laughs> slightly limiting <laughs> We could have still met. We could have, this today would have happened either way, maybe even sooner. Yeah. Because <laughs> you would have run through the two. I'd have had, yeah, I've had some non Jews in here already. You wow. Know? And I know, I'm trying to think mm -hmm. of who they were, but I'm sure it happened. Good call on that title then. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Excellent choice not to call it white Jewish men who fail, <laughs> which, which would have, <laughs> I could have called it white Jewish men whose mother thinks they failed that nice. that would have actually broadened it back out that would have i would have give, put <laughs> yeah. more on the men table. who failed their mothers that that could be Ooh. oh yeah nice one it's too late <clears throat> <laughs> separate podcast issue that's been trademarked by the way the lawyers are on it don't even try it <laughs> all right so um i do want to come back to this though because i am really intrigued by it mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so uh you're talking about your the relationship that you just are in the process of coming mm -hmm. out of it sounds mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. um and i believe i met this woman right yeah yeah okay um so that's sort of a funny in an ironic sense that i finally got to meet her and now your relationship's over yeah that actually happened with some other friends too who live like 45 minutes outside of town i saw them and the wife the wife of that couple was like oh so-and-so's coming out it's like oh, I, um, it's like oh, well, we just broke up, oh. and this is an awkward moment. I'm like, what? So, what is she? What? What is the girlfriend? What is her situation now? Is she allowed to see my friends still? Is she allowed to become friends? Oh, with right, them? right, right, right. I hope so. Like I want them all to be friends, but <clears throat> there's this little sting. A little, sting a little, a little weird sort of. Yeah. 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 For sure. I know I deal with that all the time, um, you know, with my ex, because, you know, we don't we didn't have a ton of 
friends in common. That was one of the issues. Uh, um, uh-huh. But, you know, I, I have connections to some of her friends right. that still exist or in, in you know, one case is even like kind of growing, you know, mm-hmm. not a romantic thing. Her sister. Thing. Pardon me? Her, her sister? sister? No. <laughs> no. Um, that's not polyamory. That's, <laughs> that's another name for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh man. So many thoughts just went right through my head. Yeah. I just, can't say just, them all. Just, just breathe. Yeah. You know, I'm trying. Um, where was I? No, I totally lost it. Uh, oh, just the her, friend her thing, friend, you know? Yeah. So I have, you know, relationships with her friends and not all of them, but some of them. And some of those relationships have really only come into being post our relationship, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but whenever I found, you know, if she has contact with my friends, then I feel really weird about it. So I have a full mm. on, I don't mean to, but I'm just like, why, you know? But especially because she didn't really when we were together, you know, mm-hmm. like I feel like we spent less time with my friends than her friends, although she probably feels the same way that we spent more time with my friends. Mostly we didn't spend time with any friends. Got like, it. I feel like I didn't see anybody for six years, you know. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, you really. Yeah, I don't remember seeing you too much during that. Time. No, no. I like the last time I saw you was when my daughter was born. You came to the hospital, which was really cool. Um offered me support I didn't know I needed, you know, kind of thing. Um, no, but it was like, it was genuinely appreciated. Like I didn't mm-hmm. know that that would, that that would feel nourishing in the way that it did. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And, and then also, uh, you know, you came to Thanksgiving once and then that was it. I don't think I saw you until we split up and I was like, Hey, I've got time now. Hey, <laughs> awesome news. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? Guess what? I am free all week (laughs) Mm. so uh yeah you so it's this is interesting you mentioned with the polyamory you think you you felt that you could be fine with multiple partners but you wouldn't be fine with your partner yeah i was hoping you wouldn't make this connection (laughs) (laughs) now it's not even cool for her to talk to your friends no that's a poly friendery i'm um i'm not saying it's not cool i'm just saying there's a pinch there there's a feeling there it That's a wonderful distinction, by yeah. the way. I really want to recognize and honor that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Like, uh, there's a, a lot of folks who think, like, if I don't like something, then, or if I if it causes me discomfort, then I'm also implying that the other person should not do it. Right. Which is just not the case. Like, I don't want the world to pander to all of my... Um, you're, 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 sensitivities you're, some all of, them. of my some of them for sure you're like do i want to say this <laughs> do is i this, actually want the world to is pander? this thing no, on let me... <laughs> I'll turn this off for a second <laughs> nope no no but it's, it's truly though like yeah there are things that yeah they they irritate me but i don't want, necessarily want people to stop doing them sometimes yes i do and i'll communicate the difference but i don't necessarily agree with all of my own sensitivities so i don't i don't want everyone tiptoeing around them or blaming me for the feelings that i have that i don't even agree with right like fuck yeah you know? yeah no no thanks yeah it's bad enough you have them yeah and then on top of it i have to feel ashamed for this thing that i don't even agree with in my own heart okay so let I me mean, let's just talk about that for a minute because that isn't that everywhere Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, 
do any of us well there's like there is this righteous indignation that in the moment feels totally justified mm -hmm. but it never it for me when i when i feel it bubbling up and and it's like back after being gone for a while um it's so uncomfortable mm -hmm. and it you know wakes me up in the middle of the night and you know. so let's give an example so we can because i'm getting a little lost what so what do you have an example <laughs> of my own righteous indignation? Yeah. So is that that's what you're talking about? Is the, that feeling? Yeah, that feeling okay. of like. So, okay. So we're talking about um, feeling shame around feelings we have that we don't like that we have them, mm -hmm. and either we feel the shame or people make us feel bad about having those feelings. Mm -hmm. Like you know, mm -hmm. um, at least that's what I thought we were. Yeah. No, about. I'm, I'm with you. Great okay. summary. Yeah. So, um, and so, and so for me, it's like feeling right. Mm -hmm. And then usually feeling, usually when I, the stronger the feeling of the need to be right, the angrier I am about whatever this thing is. Mm. And then the, and so I call, and then, and then the more sure, the angrier I am, the more sure I am that I'm right, you know, mm -hmm. in that moment. Right. And, and then, and the greater the need to be and feel right is. And so those two things like, you know, rally around each other and become pretty strong. Mm -hmm. and and pretty loud inside me and so my physiology starts you know responding to all that adrenaline mm -hmm. or maybe it responds with adrenaline i don't know i'm not i don't understand biology <laughs> all i know is it happens it doesn't and, stop you from throwing the terms right yeah <laughs> a little don't, ignorance don't has never it. slowed me down <laughs> don't let it get in your way <laughs> i certainly don't why should it um <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that noise was that I just made. It's <laughs> an interesting uh. little puff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, facts. Did you see that? Have you seen this video of, um, I think it's Pence. It's Trump's running mate, Pence, right? Uh, yeah. Pence, how do you say his name? Anyway, he was Dispense. Dispense. Expense. Um, dispensable. Uh, Expensive. Expensive. <laughs> <laughs> pens shit face <laughs> i'm trying to think not pensive that's definitely not nope. one of them yeah. nope uh um, okay anyway he's talking mm. about mm -hmm. like how evolution is just a theory there's no recompense <laughs> sorry i thought we were done sorry. what else <laughs> you need another you need a few more minutes on pens no you were composing your thoughts i had time to keep going with it that's fine there's no rules that's cool though i'm you Keep us going. He, uh, no, it's, um, you know, uh, this is, this, we're both driving. Okay. You're my co-pilot. Fair enough. Uh, <clears throat> or I'm yours. So um, anyway, he was just gave this, you know, dissertation to Congress about, you know, evolution is just a theory, which I completely agree with. It is just a theory, you know. and Pretty darn good one, though. Yeah, it's a good one. But it's, listen, we will discover that it's an incomplete theory at some point, you know. Sure. And. And the thing about science is science spends a lot of its time trying to disprove its own theories. That's the nature of science. Sure. You know, so he was using this article that just came out in some magazine that, that's talking about they, they think they found a skull that's 7 million years old. Which what? changes the timeline of... 7 million? Yeah. Which would change the timeline of human evolution and saying that, you know, nature was playing around with different life forms, you know. Mm -hmm. And... And so he said, you know, if he said this 
basically means he was trying to say that this debunks the theory of evolution. No, it doesn't at all. Yeah, and it proves that we were that we all were popped out of a, an ark seven thousand years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe maybe this magazine is some you know Christian magazine that I don't realize it's it's called Nature, but it's really you know nurture God's nature. <laughs> <laughs> snuck it in there you didn't did I? that was really good that was really good that's why you're here um can we get back to waking up feeling shame <laughs> i'm talking about righteous indignation at the moment good all right so he's giving this speech about how evolution is just a theory and they should teach they sh- and, and it's being taught as a fact and i will say that i agree with him that hmm. it should be taught as a theory not sure. as a fact where he and I diverge is his next point, which is, therefore, they should teach other theories, which I, I sorry, I still agree with that. Mm-hmm. And then he says, like intelligent design. And like, you know, basically he's saying the Christian doctrine should have equal time to evolution in schools. And there we no longer agree with each other. Mm-hmm. By all means, teach the Christian it's really the Judeo-Christian creation story. Teach that. Sure, as as well as as well as Islam and you know Buddhism and Hinduism, African creation. And, yeah, and African. Yeah. I mean, you know, if by all means, open the floodgates of information and theory to children at a young age. Like seriously, do that, please. That would be great. Yeah. You know, but don't tell me that evolution is just a theory, and therefore you know, just as value as any other theory like the Bible. Sure. You know, that's not the same. The Bible is not a scientific theory. It's a pre-scientific theory. You know, it's yeah, no, it's, it's science it's... explained by non-scientists or pre-science, you know, we're, we're the best science of the time. So I don't, I don't even think it's, you know, a bad explanation for how things came to be based on the information people had at that time, which was less. Mm-hmm significantly less so i'm even okay with that story it should be taught as what it is you know and there's there's something to be said for honoring the 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 prevailing uh theories above the less popular theories and you know of all the people who spend time in their life researching and studying um the history of of life on earth, including those who are studying the Bible. Like if, you, if we sampled all of them, there'd be an overwhelming majority who would support evolution. Right. Even if we included all the people who are studying the Bible and like they're, they're a tiny minority. Christians are not a tiny minority, but most Christians are, I don't think still laboring under the delusion that the Bible is literally true. I think the Bible is that there is a science being explained in the Bible. It's a, a science of how to live, like ethics and morality, and an approach to how to deal with one's feelings and thoughts. You know, the human experience. I don't think it's a it's a literal explanation of of how humans you know came to populate the earth. So it's not Earth science. It's not. Yeah, it's not social not an science. science. <laughs> it's yeah. a soft science. It's it's a religious. Yeah, you know, it's it's religion. Right. Well, but religion, I mean, 
I think religion, it's trying to be scientific in its way. I mean, it's trying to explain existence. When I studied meditation and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff, you know, my teacher explained existence through consciousness. I mean, it was, he was, sure. he was very scientific about it in his approach. Absolutely. And Buddhism. Absolutely. So no science. Yeah. So, I mean, it's so, I do think religion isn't, it's not entirely separate from science. Blind faith ceases to be scientific. Sure. And then, so now once you get into that, realm and most religions do require some leap of faith at some point in order to kind of maintain their integrity within themselves mm -hmm. that's when it's no longer science once a leap of faith has been made and you know i'm going to tie this into the righteous indignation piece Actually, i was just going to ask yeah because you know i mean i'll just speak for myself the more sure i am that i'm right very often the more disconnected i am from you know, either the other person or the reality of the situation. Like, it doesn't mean I'm wrong. You know, I might have some of the facts right and some of the feelings might be right. But the level of indignation and the the, the awfulness that comes mm. up inside me when I'm in those moments, mm -hmm. the more awful it is, chances are the more removed from reality it also is. Sure. And it's... that feeling is not only it's just there's so much violence in that. Like, I'm mm -hmm. I'm physically uncomfortable yeah and um you know it's it's those are awful experiences i mean i'm not mm -hmm. a, a, unhappy that i have them because it's part of life but mm -hmm. i mean it's not uh it's not moving forward like it's very self um i want to say it's like self-stuck i don't even know if that's a thing you know, but it feels great in the moment. Like it's like a drug, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's a, it's a high unlike, or I was gonna say it's high unlike any other, but it's more, it's a high like any other. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a disconnect, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a disconnect that feels good as it rallies around itself. And the more it disconnects from the world around it, the, the better mm -hmm. it feels in that moment. But the results are, you know, usually pretty mm -hmm. damaging, kind of like getting wildly drunk and, you know, indulging some impulses well i'm thinking of like somebody standing in a bar stool and yelling and you know starting a fight and not necessarily i mean it might lead to a physical fight but you know you've heard people drunk and then just go on a rant mm -hmm. you know that's what it's like inside my head when i'm feeling righteous indignation mm -hmm. it's just like that it's a drunken rant that's sure. just you know going on inside me so now i don't remember how we got to this well there was mike pence well, no, he was no. a byproduct sure. of righteous the, indignation. He was part <clears throat> of the cul-de-sac. It was the shame about having oh, right. certain feelings, certain reactions to things, yeah. and other people's reactions to our feelings, and et cetera. You know, st something, the stuff you were just talking about reminded me of, I'm studying somatic experiencing, mm -hmm. therapy modality in it. Can you explain a little bit about what that is? So other Yeah, people... it's a trauma-based therapy modality um, that focuses on the nervous system uh, it's very experiential it's a talk therapy you sit sit with the therapist um though it can also be done through hands-on like body workers use it as well it looks at how survival energy gets trapped in the body like fight or flight responses that um, don't get a chance to complete in the moment get stuck in the body and there's a third interesting third survival response that starts with the letter f called freeze 
um, that's lesser known, fight, flight, or freeze. Mm. If the organism can't fight or flee, um, then freeze state sets in. Mm. So say the gazelle gets caught by the cheetah, right? And it'll struggle. You know, first it runs, right? Flight. It runs, it runs, it runs, and you know, maybe it gets away, maybe it doesn't. Let's say it doesn't. So the you know the cheetah's chomping down on this thing, and it's still struggling to get away. It might start to fight, right? You know, it's kicking, it's frothing, baring its teeth, it's doing whatever it can to get away. And maybe it gets away, maybe it doesn't. Well, let's just say it doesn't. If it's at the point of no return, the gazelle's physiology will just disconnect its consciousness from uh, different parts of the brain. Mm. So it literally will be like its physical senses will be offline. It'll glaze over, it'll stop moving around. Um, and it's not faking it. Like this is like playing possum. Right. When a human is playing possum, it's we're faking it. But when a possum plays possum, <laughs> it's it's not faking it. It's an actual physiological. It's not playing state. possum. It's being possum. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> the old. It's it's possuming. It's amazing that so we'll go into this freeze state and we'll disconnect from these things, and so the gazelle doesn't experience this horrendous, horrible thing of, of its body being eaten. Somatic experiencing works with these different states as they get stuck in the body. Free states, real common. Folks get um, kind of glazed over, disconnected, um, and that can uh, be exacerbated when they're triggered by certain topics. Or hmm. that makes total sense that we would shut down. Tell me if I'm getting this right. So yeah. when we experience trauma, maybe psychological trauma, it could be associated with physical trauma, but it sounds sure. like it's psychological trauma. Yeah, um, we freeze in a way. We shut off. If, as if a protective fight, yeah if fight and flight are not options right for whatever reason which could be that the the cheetah has caught the gazelle and it's just done for or it could be uh mom is yelling at us right and we're not allowed to run away because that'll make it worse and right. so we, we you know we have to stay there so that's some, the reason i brought that up yeah so you're talking about this experience of this righteous anger on the one sense feeling terrible. Like, uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to be, I certainly experience righteous anger. There's times where I'm like, I just, a higher part of me is like, I don't want to be this angry about this. I don't want to feel all this venom. Right. But another part of me really does want to feel it. Yeah. Right. Like it's, when you talk about a drug, like it's so the, the draw to it is like, that's a fight response that just wants to move through the body. Like we get this adrenaline, right. gets released, we have a burst of energy, and now we're like a, a pumped up army at the edge of a battle. Like you can't just send everybody home and say, hey, game's called off, right? and expect it to go well. Like that energy is all pumped up, it's in the body, it wants to move, it wants to do something, it wants to move the muscles. Um, and if that energy can't go anywhere, then it, get, it gets trapped in the body and it creates dis-ease. We all have various experiences and we get, those, we get physical reminders of those experiences when we hear about them sometimes. So it's a big part of the practice, just noticing what happens in your own body. Anyway, yeah, the, as you were describing that, that dual nature of it, like hating the feeling, but also really 
loving it or craving it. They're just responses to a perceived threat. Mm. And often it's it's an incorrect perception. Like when, Not in my case, but yeah, for other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those other people might misunderstand those situations. <laughs> Not me. Not you. <laughs> so okay, mm. so we got into that because you 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 sort of were highlighting um, my feelings about you know my my discomfort oh, around the polyamory. Yeah, the polyamory and the polyfriendery. You uh-huh. know. Right. Um, main, like, what do you do with it? And really, we were talking about your situation. Right. <laughs> I'm How did it become it. about me? Um, <laughs> many of my friends would have the answer to that question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so describe, I mean, I'll just, for me, I know that I have, maybe it's only child stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I do have a level of like possessiveness or whatever the right word is around that. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, I, this is like more self-honest than I want to be, but it's almost like, hmm. I don't know if I want the other person to experience happiness anymore once they've hurt me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's an edge. That's it. That's an edge. That's thing. I, I honor that honesty. Yeah. And I, I certainly feel it too. I, I, you know, if I could switch back to that or, do whatever. Reflect Take that whatever in those same terms, those survival terms. Um, on on one level of our physiology, we don't treat emotional attacks different from physical attacks. Mm. Like something that causes us pain in whatever type of pain is a threat. And something that caused us pain is a, is a known threat. Right. Someone that caused us pain even if they were doing something totally legitimate, honorable, like, I mean, not, not your situation. I don't know exactly who broke up with who. And, but let's say like someone leaves me, a partner leaves me right. and she's doing it because it's the right thing to do. She doesn't feel like the relationship is working and it's not, there's no hard feelings necessarily, but she thinks it's the right thing to do, but it still hurts. It hurts me on some level. I'm associating her with a threat. Like it hurt, she hurt me. And so when someone attacks us, hurts us, fight, flight, or freeze, we have survival energy that gets liberated and that that gets released in the body. And so if she breaks up with me, I'm not gonna like, you know, run and jump out her living room window, plummet three stories to the car. So flight, you know, maybe not, I might wanna run away I might end There's the different ways to run away, though. Not all exactly. of them are out the window. I mean, exactly. It's... But that's the level of energy that we're getting. I this see. is okay. gazelle getting away from a cheetah. The gazelle doesn't, doesn't, you know, make an excuse and then <laughs> say, cheetah. Look, I uh, would love to keep talking. <laughs> I just have a thing. I have a thing. I made a commitment to, you know, I just, I'd love to. Yeah, I gotta go. You know how important commitments are to me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you don't. Maybe that's why we're having this. <laughs> conversation it's really the wrong word <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so fight yeah. you know the, the when the breakup there we have this fight energy also we may it's kind of we may have both responses at different times or may one or the other people have a people tend to go with a response that's worked in the past fight or flight or freeze and so i'm not going to punch her 
I'm not going to jump out the window. So that all that energy is trapped in the body. And so the mind, it's always, it's like when we dream, the mind like creates things that we want to happen. It's giving us a little preview of the energy that's in our body that's on deck, mm. like what it, what it wants to do to complete. And that may be like hurting someone that's hurt us. It doesn't make us a bad person. It's not being conscious of how these things are acting within us and then doing something horrible or stupid in the world. Right. That's where it could be wrong or bad. But the, to have the impulse to hurt someone who's hurt us is as human as being hungry when we haven't eaten in a long time. Like, again, just to be that's real really, clear. That's really, no, no, that's, let's, I mean, I would even like let that simmer for a second. Like, let me say it again just so it's, so it does simmer. It does simmer. I don't want to get misquoted here by our listener. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that guy said it was cool. Get hauled off into court. Um, there's nothing wrong about our impulses, per se, uh, as just impulses. Um, right or wrong comes into play with, with our actions. So wanting to hurt someone that's hurt us is, could be completely natural. It's as natural as being hungry after not having eaten. What we do with those impulses, that's, that's where morality and ethics, and that's where it's important to pay attention. Yeah. And I, I would argue that being more accepting of our bad impulses, of just being aware of them, makes us freer, gives us more power to manage those impulses and, and respond constructively and effectively. Like maybe I, you know, go to the gym and kick a punching bag or punch a kicking bag, <laughs> you know, ra rather than, you know, like the, the Catholic priests who deny their own sexuality and end up having these, uh, You know, totally inappropriate relationships with the wrong people. Exactly. Yeah. So there it is, like, you know, the awareness of these things yeah. can give us more freedom. So, yeah. Yeah, I know for me, it tur I, I turn it inward. Mm -hmm. Like, it has to go somewhere, and at me, it goes back in. Yeah. And then, and that's, for me, is very toxic. Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's a socially acceptable way of expressing rage. Right. But a a shitty one an error in judgment like not a good um just not the best one for me you know like long term oh yeah you know um, it's better than killing people like in one sense like humanity ha has evolved like repression has an evolutionary has had an evolutionary place but it's we're not it's not the end of the road we're not there yeah right <laughs> so there's certainly like steps beyond that like how can we move that energy in ways that are i i think i want to say like you know turning it inward to the point that it's slowly killing myself hmm. that doesn't that's not really better you know i mean it's a tiny bit better than killing another person but only like a little you know i mean sit with that for a moment uh, obviously killing people's not cool bad even Arguably in certain situations, maybe even bad, <laughs> but 
you know, killing ourselves isn't good either. Agreed. Know? And Agreed. Um, I'm not trying to say it's 50-50 or 51-49, you know, yeah. it's, but I'm, ex I'm just pretending for a moment that it is like, cause just for a second, like exploring how damaging it is to turn that inward. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean turning it outward is, is okay. Cause it's only 2% difference. Sure. I mean that, um, I think certainly for me and i don't think i'm alone in this like some real work around how horribly damaging it is to turn it inward the way that i do mm -hmm. the way that we do like True. so it's not enough to just be like well i didn't kill anyone so i handled it well you know like that's not sufficient yeah i think we can raise the bar you know i think we're ready yeah. to to move on up i i hear you and I, and I take your point I, and I totally agree. I think it's, it's enormously destructive to turn that rage back in on ourselves. And, you know, I think about school shootings and um, bombers, terrorists, folks taking violence to a, to a pretty intense extreme. I think it's, it's, it's all about where does that, where can that rage go? Right. You know, these folks are continually pressed down in one way or another by a society where they, by within themselves or by others or both, and this rage within them can't move. It can't go anywhere, and it just builds and builds and builds. For some folks, that for a lot of folks, that's that's going to lead to like digestive issues, intestinal problems, GI tract stuff, heart problems. Other folks, it's going to lead to like a building up, and periodic violent explosions which could be like yelling and screaming over something trivial or it could be going to kmart and buying a bunch of guns and going to a school and doing something horrible it's that it's if that rage can't go anywhere then yeah and i agree also like with a killing oneself is not a superior option to killing someone else in both cases someone gets killed right that's that's not ideal. We can do better. It's interesting. If you want to hear an example of a way. Yeah. Um, one of the ways that um, in somatic experiencing, you can explore dealing with the anger um, is to think about a triggering situation or scenario. And as we're talking about it, Feelings will start to arise in the body. My body temperature might start rising. Um, blood pressure, heart might start beating faster. Let it start to come up some. And then move the body slowly, really slowly. Like probably slower than you'd think. It's amazing. What kind, like you can almost dance the feelings through. Now, if you speed it up, like most folks when they're angry, they have a temper tantrum, they slam a door, or punch something. That happens so fast that it's too, it's too much for the system to integrate. And it almost isn't satisfying. Um, but if you slow it down, it can be, and you do it in like little manageable chunks, the, the nervous system can actually integrate this. Our, our body mind can integrate this experience and it can move and like be released. That sounds very cool. Yeah, I like neat. the idea of the slow punch. Mm -hmm. but in your mind you can imagine whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun i'm gonna go try that later mm -hmm. 
So uh, let's come back to, because you, I just love where we got, but I, you know, I also like the idea that we might end up where we started. I dig it. Um, yeah. You were invited to a friend's house, found out the recent ex was also going to be there. She was going to be visiting with that friend a few days later. Oh, not while you were there. Right. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Chris, something you mentioned earlier, the title of the show, Learning to Fail, and it reminded me of a funny experience I had. Bring it. Um, which I'm not sure how funny it is, but um, it was peculiar for sure. So I was at dance camp two, uh, three years ago. And, and what is dance camp? Is it like band camp? Um, dance camp is um, an 11 day event. It happens in the Northeast, also in the, on the West Coast. Um, it's at a, a summer camp. Um, it's basically summer camp for adults, although families actually. Right. And there's like 500 people of all ages and it's just dancing is the, is the primary thing. Disco dancing. Um, boogies, contact improv, um, there's classes and all sorts of dancing too, um, but mostly improvisational freeform okay. movement. So that whole five elements kind of like in that genre? In that, yeah, yeah. That, okay. that family. So um, people can Google five elements if they want to know what we're talking five about. Five rhythms. Five rhythms. Five elements. Is the don't, don't Google five elements. <laughs> I mean, Google it, but not for this. Yeah. Enjoy it. It's great. <laughs> it's great. great. The five elements are awesome. Yeah. Five rhythms. Okay. And so it was a dance camp and having a great time and... Uh, I was tenting. I was staying in a tent. Uh, heading back to the tent around, I don't know, late, two in the morning. And I was exhausted. Been dancing all day. It was great. I was, you know, doing well, but very tired. And the whole bedtime routine is really s slow when you're tenting. I like, sure. I, you know, I stop at the bathroom. I'm the bathroom building. Right. Brush my teeth. Well, first go to the tent, get my toothbrush, go back to the bathroom building, brush my teeth, go back to the tent, finally ready to go to sleep. And I shit my pants. I had a little shart situation. <laughs> oh, God. And this is three years ago. I was 37. And uh, this is what was unusual for me. While I wasn't happy about shitting my pants, I also wasn't upset. Hmm. Like, it's a bummer. <laughs> shitting in your pants is definitely has some like definite downsides. <laughs> down backsides <laughs> um but I, I didn't get upset about it mm. i was just like oh oh well, shoot i was exhausted and and knew that at this moment now i gotta like waddle a couple hundred yards over to this bathroom building wash up and the shower building's like another couple hundred yards it's right. even farther so i was doing all this in a sink so i like took care of everything you know what Cleaned myself up, clean, clean the underwear, clean the sink, clean, super cleaned everything. Um, at now it's like pushing three o'clock in the morning, exhausted and tired. But I was like, you know, it happens. Maybe this would be a funny story later, whatever. Like it's okay. I wasn't upset about it. Like I, I bump my head going down to the basement. I, I, I throw a fit. Yeah, I get super upset. Right. Like there's so many situations in my life that I just get phenomenally bothered by. And here was this thing that one could have been, I could have been really bothered by and it was just, it was just okay. And I consider it one of my greatest successes in life. 
The day I shit my pants. The day I shit my pants. My I, and, and other I, successes. And I, <laughs> <laughs> There's my book. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, my father just, always says, Jason, no one enjoys your sense of humor more than you do. <laughs> wow. Well. So, um, and no one enjoys my sense of humor less than my mother, but that's, that's <laughs> to be expected. <laughs> so I actually finally wrote something that's about her, and but she loves it. Like, oh. it's not, it's not mean about her, you know, it huh. like it, and it kind of upholds that's her values. Fruit. It's, it's, um, yeah, but I wrote, I was, I'm really proud of it. It's not even that, it's it's funny throughout, but it, it's not funny at the end. Hmm. It doesn't end funny. It, does, it ends touching. You know, it's, it's about my mom and then my daughter. And the, these things that I think are funny, you know, I haven't found an audience who thinks it's funny yet. They think the stories are funny. They're laughing throughout, but the punchline right. doesn't grab them there. Uh-huh. And I'm learning to be okay with that. Like, you know, the, uh, maybe it's not a closer. Well, it's, it's, it could be a closer as a, as a sentimental closer. Like, I'm thinking maybe I want to tell it at the moth sometime. Oh, uh, yeah. You know? That would be a great fit. Yeah. Um, or you, you know what you could do is just, if you want to make it funny, is just have it end really touching and everyone's in that heartwarming space and then just say, fucking bitch. <laughs> just, just throw that in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll think I can use that. <laughs> it's not original. Jack Johnson did that at a, a concert. This is a really beautiful song about um, a woman that he's in a relationship with, and this right. it's a really beautiful song. And there's this tree in the song, this piano that they used to play together and sing each other songs. And he sings. It's a sit down. He's a guy the guitar. He's sweet. You know, old right. surfer guy. He's just like. All the women in the audience are just swooning, yeah. wishing they could be that woman. And at the end of the scene, he tells a little bit, like before, after the song, after the song about, about you know, right. throws in a few lines of stage talk, and it's all really sweet. And then he ends it with "fucking bitch," <laughs> and uh, it's kind of a, kind of a stunner. Yeah. Kinda, uh, my girlfriend at the time t- told me about her experience with that. She went with her girlfriend, and they were just. Like that was it. They were like done with Jack Johnson. Really? Two were because it wasn't. It wasn't the comedy kind of funny. Oh. It was just like he he killed. So he spent quite a bit of energy building a certain feeling and mood that was really beautiful. Right. And it wasn't like ironic. He was he was just sort of like vindictive. Yeah. That's how it landed with yeah. certainly with, with them. them. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, how'd the rest of the audience feel? I don't know if I didn't, I didn't ask her. I yeah. don't think it was roaring applause though, or okay. roaring laughter. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's tough. I mean, that's, and I'll tell you as a comedian, when you say something that you have been sculpting for Oof, right. hours, days, weeks, months, and it doesn't land, Oof. it's a shit feeling, you know, that's not good. You know, what's weird is when you do something that has landed really well for a long time and then it doesn't land, you're like what happened you know usually just mm. i don't know sometimes it's just not right for that room and other times it's you know you no longer really believe in it mm-hmm. and that and so you kind of just mm. drop it on the table instead of delivering it yeah you know? uh, yeah i'm i'm so the, your mom i'm loving that whole experience i mean thanks to you not a lot of people know that but you're mm-hmm. the reason mm-hmm. is it accurate to say you're the reason i'm doing comedy 
you're a huge part of why I went on stage for the first time. Nice. Yeah. The catalyst. The catalyst. The well, because you said the I mean, broken promise catalyst. I, I think you know that. I don't know. I don't know if you fully know this. Yeah, the broken promise catalyst. Exactly. Because you know, I remember you said um, it was like we just started hanging out again, mm-hmm. more sort of more fr- with greater frequency, mm-hmm. and um, and you were like, "Let's set an intention for this summer." I'm like, "I don't set intention, but fine." <laughs> and you said, "Let's a let's spend more time together because." this was great. It was lunch or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. B let's go somewhere cool and C let's find a stage that we can get on each do five minutes of comedy. And I did all those things without you, <laughs> <laughs> including spend more time together. So, <laughs> it was I an, spent a lot of time alone. It's a, <laughs> I went to Europe that summer and then for my birthday, I did five minutes of comedy, which, you know, 30 people showed up, which was amazing. Rocking it. Yeah. The intention turned out to be a pretension. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it was, I don't know why we never uh, followed through on the other things, but, um, but yeah. And then that's just like, that's literally has changed my life. Mm. Like this is the focus of my life right now is stand up. I'm going to school. I'm going to stand comedy school in January for really? six weeks. It's, Where I mean, is it's, that? What's that? It's three night, three hours a night, once a week for six weeks. And then on the seventh week you do a show. I just, to tell you how important comedy is to me right now, I'm doing a, three-minute egg yoga teacher training mm-hmm. in March, yeah. and I rescheduled it. Whoa. Because the final weekend where you get to do the big show mm-hmm. was the same, mm-hmm. you know, I was going to miss it. Right. And um, and it's more important to me to do this, so I just put, I mean, I'm pushing it back two weeks, you know, but it's like, right. for a long time, my company took priority over a lot of things in my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now it's comedy. Well, my child, if there was ever a need, if she was in an urgent, I thought about that as I was saying it. If there's ever an urgent need regarding my child, she always comes first. Sure. Um, I actually said bathing. I think you said baby. No, I said oh, bathing. Bathing. Uh, no, no, bathing's <laughs> still up there. Still up there. Yeah, bathing's <laughs> important. I uh, since we're talking about my daughter. <laughs> uh, she well, she always complains because I do, you know, like if if my stepmom is staying with us or my mom, I will go out and perform and let them do the bed night bedtime routine, and she mm-hmm. hates it. Mm. She gets so upset, mm. and she's really mad. She's like, "I hate comedy because you don't spend time with me." Like, mm. I spend so much time with you, and half the time when I'm with you, you don't want to be with me, you know. Right. Can I play with your phone? Yeah, right. She's just like, I'm like, let's go hang out together. And she's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. And sometimes I'm like, we're doing it. And other times I indulge her. I'm like, all right, fine. We'll just sit at home and do nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. In some ways, though, I think that's still nurturing for them to like be in the same house, but doing their own thing. There's still a level of, oh, yeah. That's that's fulfilling for them. Eventually, she usually ends up in whatever room I'm in, you know, whatever game she's playing in her bedroom at some point she realizes she's been alone for an hour and she comes up to my office and just continues doing it mm-hmm. in my office and then pretty soon she's doing it on my on or under my desk and before you know it, she's in my lap and then i'm no longer i'm no mm-hmm. longer productive mm-hmm. but uh productive in a different way yeah well i mean it's <clears throat> any time spent with my daughter is a good thing yeah but also getting them to know like to be able to entertain themselves while I work is also okay. But I'm really careful around that because when I grew up, I was an only child. My daughter's an only child. 
And I have vivid memories of my mom saying, can't you just play by yourself for once? And me feeling like that's all I do. Mm. I don't have brothers and sisters. I don't have a friend over. Mm -hmm. All I do is play by myself. You know, so I never, ever, ever say that to Sula, at Mm -hmm. least certainly not in that way. Mm -hmm. I might say, you know, I've got to do this. So I need you to entertain yourself for a little while. Mm -hmm. But I'll never make it feel like it never happens because as an only child, it happens all the time. Well, that's that's that statement has so much exasperation in it. Yeah. That's like her needs aren't getting met. And then she's blaming you, blaming a child for wanting to play. Right. It's like yelling at a cat for shedding or at a dog. I mean, kids tend to want to play while you're making dinner. And like they don't necessarily, their urgent narcissistic desires Mm -hmm. seldom take into account you know, the trajectory of the day and the evening and all the things that have to happen in order for, you know, something as a parent, you know, is going to be awful. If it happens, if it doesn't happen, this, if these things don't get done, tonight's going to suck. Right. If we have popcorn for dinner or, you know, if we end up, if I end up playing a game of clue with her at six o'clock, instead of making dinner, bedtime Mm -hmm. just got pushed back by half an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, which makes her tired the next day, which means she's not ready, which means, you know, right. we have an awful morning. Like, as the parent, you know, where these little, it's like chaos theory to a kid, to a parent, it's very evident. Right. You know, we know where the, where it's going to land and where it's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that too. Like kids do have a tendency to want maximum attention at the worst possible moments in terms of. But, that, but that's not the issue in your mom's statement. It's like that edge to it. She didn't just say. No, she didn't say this isn't a good time. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, look, my mom is an imperfect parent in a lot of ways. In that moment. You know, um, well, still, thankfully, you know, tons of material. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know. Every once in a while, there'll be a comedian who's interviewed, and, and like, especially Marin will point out, it's like, wow, you seem normal. You had like a healthy childhood. How did you end up a comedian? You know, like, you're not mm-hmm. allowed to be in comedy unless your life right. was awful. Right. So, but back to polyamory. <laughs> 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 I do want to, I want to, I want to understand it better. Okay. Um, I want to hear about your successes with it and your, like, you know, your failures with it. Like where, how, how has it worked for you? How has it not? Hmm. How have you seen it work and not work for other people? I mean. Okay. Well, let me, let's see. This is a great question. Thank you. Um, something that I have, that's felt good. Um, it's a big struggle with, I think, life and relationships is our inner world and our outer world matching. Like, when you want to strangle that jackass at the supermarket or, or on the road, but you can't actually do that. There's a disconnect between the inner world and the outer world. And it's, it's friction, life friction. Um, being open about my attractions for other women, like that being something that at least can be acknowledged in the relationship. I'm not necessarily going to like rub it in. I'm not going to like go and, say something to my girlfriend every time I'm attracted to someone else. But the fact that we can talk about it, if, if there's something to talk about, like I'm going to go on a trip 
and someone I'm interested is going to be at this place. We may or may not be romantic, but it's a possibility. I want you to know about that in advance. Right. She could share what she's feeling about that. Or, you know, if she's going to see, um, she's, she's married, as I mentioned, and she has another, um, had another boyfriend as well. And so, you know, say, hey, I just want you to know in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be going to visit so-and-so and, you know, we're going to spend the weekend together in D.C. Um, that works for me. It's not necessarily that I enjoy hearing that she's going to be with someone else or that she had a great time with them afterwards. Um, but I do really appreciate that we can talk about it and that she doesn't have to not do those things or lie about them or deny them, which for her would be, would be like a friction between her inner world and her outer world. And same with me. Like I, I can be more honest. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I may, I may very well want to want to hook up with that person if the situation feels right. Um, and then does that person know or need to know that you're in this other relationship and that like, where does the, yeah, I'm transparent. Certainly anyone that I'm physical with, uh, that's a requirement for me to be transparent about that. Cause I want that from them. Right. Like I, before I have sex with a woman, I want to know, um, well, certainly there's just safety stuff, you know, just, has she been tested for STIs and has she been with anyone since she's been tested? Um, who well, getting all the romantic stuff out of the way first. Yeah. Just buttering her up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that's just, that's just being responsible right. with my body and with other people's bodies. Cause you know, I'm dating someone and I'm potentially putting that person at risk if I haven't done my homework. Right. So, and also like the funny thing about that safety or um, STI or STD conversation is that it pushes a degree of honesty and emotional acceptance. This is very concrete, very real thing. Like I am having sex with someone else. Right. And it, you know, if there's going to be a reaction on the other person's part, um, and let's have it to, let's have that reaction together. Let's be here with each other, looking each other in the eye, holding each other's hand and go through whatever we're going to feel. That isn't necessarily a great scenario or like the most fun, but it's a hell of a lot better than, um, folks cheating on each other in a supposedly monogamous relationship. Or for me, it was better than, than denying myself or wanting the other person to deny herself what's real for them or for me. Is that, I don't know if that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm following you. So, and so is our listener. (laughs) Gotta love that listener. (laughs) That that lonely. Patient (laughs) person with abundant time. Abundant time. I've listened to everything else on the internet. 
<laughs> this is all that's left. This is this is learning. The apocalypse to... <laughs> has happened. All podcasts have been destroyed. Gone through. <laughs> I, or, or listened they, to. That's no, they've listened to everything on A through. Um, <laughs> what comes before? What L? is the let J <laughs> K K. <laughs> I think. Yeah. yeah no. Good work. It's okay. Alphabet yeah. moment there. Thanks, well, everyone. Well, I, I have a young child, so I've been singing oh, the ABCs more recently nice. than you. Nice, you got it. Can yeah. you do them backwards? I mean, maybe. I'm that's, not going to. That's not a young child. That's a that's a that's a drunk driving that's test. It. It's a drunk child. <laughs> um, hmm. So there's something that it just that ability to be transparent, yeah. and possibly to act on it as well, obviously just feels more in alignment with who I am and what types of situations I find myself in. And I just, I, I really hate being in situations where, where I'm not encouraged to be open and to be who I am. Being polyamorous doesn't mean that a person is okay with their partners being with other people means they're consciously, intentionally choosing to allow for that. It's like we were talking about earlier. Mm, I, I, may, distinction. I may feel bad about something, but it doesn't mean I don't want it to happen or I think that it shouldn't happen. Right. Like on one level, some part of me wants all of my exes to be nuns. Right. To just go off to the convent. You were there last. Swear off. Yeah, I want to be like. <laughs> and not because um, it was awful. No, it was like amazing, but it didn't work out. I and mean, that's okay. Yeah. I'm done. It's I'm never going to be that good again, so why bother? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would be ideal. Yeah, that's perfect. On one level. Another part of me is like... That's why we can't date the same women, because either way, that one, one oh, of us That's is, whoever got yeah. there. That's <laughs> first. Um, but on, on another level, I, of course, don't want that at all. I want my partner exes to be happy and, right. you know, to be having fulfilling lives um so that's something that's worked out uh something that's not worked out well i mean it, i guess it's ambiguous whether it worked or didn't work but i dated a woman who was married and i made an agreement with her and her husband i said if if at any point in time it starts to look like you two are breaking up and that I'm in any way contributing to that, I'm out. Like I really don't, I can't, I'm not gonna be like a, I'm not gonna be a, the wedge that drives two people apart or I'm not gonna be the lily pad that she jumps to in order to get out of her marriage. And I, before we ever even went on a date, I talked about this, talked about it with both of them. And they did end up splitting up six months later something like that after it ended with you or after it started with you i don't know six months or so after it started maybe so did you follow you had to follow through on your yeah that's what i'm asking yeah exactly yeah we were i think tapering off a little bit anyway i think part of just the larger shifts yeah. um but as yeah as they were coming apart i was like oh I needed to back away as well. And I'm glad that I made that declaration early on. Was, yeah, otherwise clear it seemed like you're abandoning her. her at a time of need, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, fascinating. 
although it still ended up that's what I was doing was abandoning her at a time of need but um I don't think it can be called abandoning anymore it's, yeah I just mean that on like on an emotional level for her she was like she went from having two partners to zero it may feel that way that she yeah. she may feel abandoned but you're not to me abandoning someone is a one-sided like you know they it's didn't a, know like it's um, right. it's a judgment which part abandonment calling it abandonment is a judgment yeah i mean it, like stripped of judgment what it, it's like one person leaving another right okay right but to say it's an abandonment right implies uh, something plus some other level of uh, aspect of it right and then you know she may feel sad she can't technically feel abandoned it's not a feeling anyway it still landed that way for her. Yeah. I think on some level, not entirely. Like she understood and she was like, yeah, of course, we just talked about that a few months ago and I understand. And But it sucks. That's, I think how she phrased it. It was like, it really, it's lame. Like yeah. she, she definitely, you know, pushed me to be really sure that that's what I wanted to do. Were you sure? Apart from having committed to it, did it still feel like the right? You know, in one sense, it's hard to say because um, I felt like we were growing apart anyway. I was just finding that we weren't really a good fit. So it happened that following that agreement was in alignment with what I wanted to do. So... It's hard to say whether, you know, it still was like the right thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess this is telling. I didn't make the same agreement with this most recent couple. Mm. Although I did talk about it. I might have made that exact same agreement, actually. Now that I think about it. Maybe it made the opposite agreement. I should. <laughs> if you all <laughs> if split I, if up. If I break this up, I am going nowhere. I'm, I'm right here for you, baby. <laughs> In fact, no offense, bud, but totally. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I just explained like that. That was a. Bit, I don't. I don't want to be splitting up marriages. That's not why I'm exploring polyamory. Right. Like I'm not interested in in being. I'm not interested in holding shepherding a woman through the process of leaving her husband. Right. Like, that's another that's, piece too. That's like a different. Those are those are two opposite roles in the same event yeah you know being the cause versus being a shepherd those are totally those are yeah really, those are really different yeah um so do you feel like you want a life relationship mm-hmm. yeah in poly terms and this is also has its limits but you say a primary partner a primary partner yeah Someone, you're my bae, my BAE before anyone else. <laughs> um, Instead of my babe, which is just has very short term connotations. And there's more limits with an acronym to make out of it. <laughs> the more letters, the harder it is. Before anyone begs <laughs> else. <laughs> um, 
before anyone bangs. I'm going. There's like That's a lot of. There we be. B A E B before anyone else bangs you, baby. Baby. <laughs> um, I do want a. I want a primary partner. Yeah. And in that relationship, whether it's polyamorous or monogamous, I want it to be possible to sometimes talk about our attractions for other people. Um, that that be something that both of us are capable of having a grown-up conversation about. And potentially that one or both of us could act on those things in certain situations. Not every time, not just like winging it, flinging it. Right. Um, not out with the guys, didn't expect to, you know, meet some hottie. At... Right. little drunk. Yeah. One thing led to another. Can't remember yeah. her name. Uh, I forgot to ask her if she's been tested. Nah. That kind of situation. Right. That's not what. That's not what I'm looking to create in my life. I've just heard you say, I've heard you describe a lot of relationships ending as it just wasn't a fit. Mm-hmm. And and one of my, we're, we're really no longer friends, but he's one of my, he was my best friend for a long time, or certainly one of them. And um, he's my age, he's still not married. Mm-hmm. And you know, when we were palling around, I was more casual about my relationships. He, he went into every relationship you know, hoping it was going to be the one. Mm-hmm. At least that's what he said. Hmm. You know, I have since developed the theory that that was his, um, his way of his getting way girls, of getting laid. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. No, really. Uh, I was kidding. No, but um, I think you know every guy kind of uses what he's got to get what he can. And wow, dangling um, the commitment plum. And I think he would. He was like, he was so out there with it you know it was like he would announce the most important thing to me is you know marriage and children like i really want that and he would break up with woman after woman after woman because she wasn't everything Mm. you know Mm -hmm. he couldn't see having a marriage and children with her and as a result he's 47 no kids no wife Mm. and no one nothing in sight you know Mm -hmm. and you know I don't know if I would have a child if it hadn't happened the way it happened. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I got pregnant with someone unintentionally. I think most kids are unintentional. Mm-hmm. Um, but once it was clear that she was coming into the world, I made the decision to be mm-hmm. her father. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and everything that went with it. Mm-hmm. And goddamn, has it worked out good for you? Uh, as gotta, far I, as I gotta say, just as a friend reflecting. Yeah. And we've talked about this, but I think fatherhood has changed you in the most wonderful ways. Thank you. Were, you. you were cool and good before. And no, there are ways fatherhood has made me an infinitely better person and just more interesting and richer and plus what would my comedy be about if I didn't have a kid, <laughs> most importantly. Relationships. Again, and yeah, one after another. I mean, you can't do relationship comedy for Hmm. hour mm-hmm. after hour after hour right you know, there has to be some more dimensionality to you mm-hmm. going um, around and around <laughs> you can't do it for one hour <laughs> um but uh yeah but the challenges around the relationship with your mother are as as uh 
complex as the positivity that comes from the mm -hmm. child. I mean, it's like it's sure. endless, you know. I wonder if it's not. Bear with me. Sure. This is I'm going to go down a theoretical road. I don't actually know if it's the right path, but I wonder if being forced to have a continued relationship with your baby mama. Um, like having the motivation of your daughter being so powerful. Like it's kept the two of you talking and working it out even after countless struggles. Like you're kind of in like an advanced life course on dealing with a challenging relationship which and anything you practice generally speaking you're gonna get better at yeah so you've gotten an enormous amount of practice because you all had a child together and if you didn't have that child and thus that intense motivation to just keep talking to each other no matter how much you didn't want to yeah you wouldn't have gotten that practice i'm not saying it was worth it <laughs> <laughs> You're or not that, signing up. You're not looking to sign up anytime soon, necessarily. Yeah, like I'm looking for my next baby mama. Well, I want, I want an ex girlfriend like yours. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but but it whether or not it's worth it or a good thing, you can say. But it's well, it just is. It certainly is. I mean, I don't place. I wouldn't place a value on whether or not it's worth it. Mm -hmm. It is the situation, mm -hmm. right? And. You know, I have an awful joke that I do. Whenever there's something that I'm forced to miss because I have a child, mm -hmm. I'm just like, why didn't I wear a condom? You know, Oof. like, and, you know, I first, the first time I said it on stage was uh, after the Louis C.K. show because uh -huh. I wasn't able to go to the first show. And I was like, I'm so uh -huh. happy I got to go tonight because last night I couldn't go and I didn't know there was going to be a show tonight. Mm. And all I could think about the whole night was why didn't I wear a condom? <laughs> You know, like oversee, like I'd rather see Louis C.K. in concert once than have a lifelong rich relationship with another human being, you know? Well, I was at that show. It was really fucking good. It was good. funny. I know. But the next night, I think, was better. We're going to listen to, to both oh, sometime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Not that we have, have uh, we haven't, we haven't had not that. that we have any recordings. He said you can record it. Just don't put it on the Internet. He was very clear. Oh. He's like, he's like, I know you're recording it. So I'm not going to tell you not to. But just don't share. Don't post it on fucking youtube because i'm building a special here and in a year i'm gonna put it out there uh -huh. after that if you want to put it online i don't care but let me make my special and i love that that was his attitude that's great you know he's not so afraid he doesn't have that scarcity consciousness that so many people have mm -hmm. but he said please respect my work sure and after someone says that to you how can you not respect their work yeah what yeah you know it's like someone out there will well, of course, I mean, they're assholes yeah. all the time. But he's but he's he's reducing it by by saying, you know, look, I'm, this is what I'm doing. You're you're paying half price to see this show, mm -hmm. so that I can work out this special. So when it's done in a year, it'll be amazing. Yeah. Please don't ruin it by putting it online. Absolutely. I mean, and then he's gonna sell it for five dollars because he's like he sells it so cheap that it's, you know, in his mind, it's like only an asshole would upload a five dollar video so everyone can see it for free right you know yeah, yeah. like pay the five dollars that's why it's not 20 or 50 right he's making the the barrier of entry so low that you truly have to be a dickhead to steal it mm -hmm. um i love that 
I love so many things about that guy, at least the person yeah. that he yeah. is publicly, privately, who mm-hmm. knows, you know. Anyway, um, I will just tell you, because you're not a parent, I think every parent has those moments. Oh, yeah. You know, there are moments where you, you know, and this is Louis C.K. says this better than anyone. He's like, there, he says, I love my children. They're, they say the most amazing things. They warm my heart. They give my life meaning. And I regret every event that happened that led to their coming to, into existence. Mm. You know? And he said, if you're a parent and you don't acknowledge that you have both of those thoughts simultaneously, you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. Or you a know? liar. You know, or a liar, whatever. Like, you're just yeah. full of shit. Yeah. You know, I mean, and so I feel that way. Mm-hmm. I feel those ways, mm-hmm. you know. I was having dinner with people last night and... I was talking about how I invited this woman to see me perform comedy in Charlotte in six months. And she said, I can't do it. I have my daughter that night. (laughs) And I'm like, this is going to happen once you have your daughter every Monday, you know? And I said, that's the difference between a man and a woman. You know, I was like, you know, a guy would be like, yeah, no problem. I'll get it. I'll figure something out. That sounds awesome. And I'm not sure it's actually, that falls on gender lines, but I was joking, mm-hmm. in the, you know, or at least being playful in the moment. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys sitting across from me, one of my more sensitive friends, like I said, well, I'm more the woman, you know, in that scenario, I wouldn't want to give up the evening with my daughter either. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm playing the long game. I have her whole life. I'm going to spend time with her throughout her entire life. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I miss this night or that night, I'm not going to miss a big event in her life, but I, if I go do something that's, important to me or meaningful to me yeah keeps you lively and energetic and engaged yeah you know and his response was i'm playing the long game too i only get to spend half of my daughter's life with her and i was like he's he's pushing you hard on that one well to me it was saying more about his relationship with it there's a scarcity consciousness around his relationship with his daughter Mm -hmm. you know i no matter how much time I spend with my daughter, it won't be enough for her and it won't be enough for me. Mm-hmm. You know, And there will be times when she would rather be with her friends than be with me. And there'll be times that I would rather see Louis C.K. live than be with her. Mm-hmm. That's healthy to me. Mm-hmm. You know, But That's holding real. on That's to real. it, like I only get to spend half of her life with her because I'm in a uh-huh. you know, split household and therefore I have to hold on as tightly as I can to that half that Mm -hmm. almost strangles even the together time for me, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm not going to judge their experience, but it's like, Mm -hmm. what I guess the question for your friend would be, would he want his daughter uh, to forego something that she really wanted to do that might be enriching or really fun or whatever for her in order to, to spend that time with him? Well, it's an interesting question. I think my, you know, response even halfway through the question is your job as your parents is to facilitate the lives of your children. So to if it's going to enrich your daughter's life to have an experience that doesn't include you, you give her that experience. Oh, of course. The, so you don't make her not yeah, have that because the, of your needs. The question was a setup. Like, a, yeah. of course, you support your, your daughter's needs. But, the, you know, he... You're saying, do you support your own needs for the benefit of... Sorry, I'll let you finish the question. Um, Wow, yeah. 
the point is that the relationship needs to be fulfilling for both people, the, the child and the parent. Right. Like not just one or the other. Like that thing earlier, like is it okay to rage at someone else versus rage at yourself? Like I, 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 ideally everyone's needs get met. Right. Like speaking of scarcity consciousness. Yeah. Like let's not sacrifice for our children. Let's, let's succeed with them. And when I say our children, I mean yours. <laughs> <laughs> yours and your sensitive friend. Yeah. <laughs> and the woman who wasn't available on a Monday in six months. That's, that's rough. Maybe there was another issue going on there. No, I think that was the issue. Like, because She's, there were other, I mean, nor, I know what you mean. And I, and, uh -huh. but because she was like, are you performing this weekend? Because I'm available on Saturday. I was like, I'm performing on Friday. Not available Friday, you know, whatever. So it's like. What she do every other day? Yeah, she's an every other day person. Oof. No, it, no, it's just um, there is an interest in seeing me perform. Mm -hmm. There's a commitment to her m mother role, and that takes priority over everything. Honestly, mm -hmm. I respect that. I just, you know, I also simultaneously think it's funny. Like, and I wouldn't, and I wouldn't make that choice. Mm -hmm. I I do lots of things that interfere with my time with Sula and I try to make it up in other ways and I try to make I've learned really with her I mean I spend a lot of time with her it's not like I'm, I'm not a weekend warrior dad who then goes away for half of those weekends I mean I she's yeah, with me half the time yeah you're 50, 50 so but I'm working hard on making the time we have together really rich not just plentiful mm -hmm. um, I heard a father recently say it's not quality it's quantity just being around is good for your kids. And I don't know if I agree, but I think it's an interesting idea. You know, they're both important. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel like you should be like, around as much as possible. Yeah. And that time should be as rich as possible. Yeah. It's not one or the other, but, but the, the conversation was quality versus quantity, you know, but I guess mm -hmm. you're saying both, but you're a polyamorous. Yeah. You want at all. I'm also an, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't give in to, to black and white thinking. Right. I try not to give in. Black or white. You give in to black and white thinking. Uh, exactly. Not black or white. Depends on how you interpret it. <laughs> well, just, I think the situations are usually much more nuanced. Like earlier, we were talking about first world peoples. You, there's racism in that, in that name because it implies that they're all, this, like, they're all of the same ilk like the Putumayo world music albums. Right. We have just the very concept that world music yeah, is one anything, genre. Right, anything not from America it's, is world music. <laughs> it's like incredible. The entire world's diversity minus one country right. gets one genre. Like that's absurd. There's so much diversity in the world and we just sort of lump it all together. If it's, oh, well, you know, they all just, it all sounds like it's not techno. Right. It's all primitive instruments. Yeah. Sorry. First people instruments. <laughs> first instruments. First instruments. <laughs> uh, oh, God. So bringing this back to you slowly and in a very roundabout way. With a little field trip over by you. We're not done. We're still, we're pit still. stop at you. Yeah, we're almost, we're almost. <laughs> you town. <laughs> 
my god um i'm gonna be exhausted after this like from just so much joy mm. i don't know that i would have found myself in a committed relationship with a child had it not happened the way it happened like i there mm. in my moments of you know real self-honesty i have to acknowledge that and i acknowledge it mm -hmm. often mm -hmm. like i don't know if it would have happened for me because my idea or ideal relationship is really 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 hard to find mm -hmm. you know and so and you're not my age but you just turned 40 right was that your 40th mm -hmm. birthday that was the, this year? the last birthday yeah, yeah. so um and i was 38 when sula was born mm -hmm. just to put it in the timeline perspective mm -hmm. i'm 47 now in hollywood years i'm 37 unless you're a woman <laughs> 27 then you'd be 80 <laughs> yeah um well what i meant is you always lie about your age in hollywood so you uh, yeah. got it uh so do you feel like um i mean i just felt like with my friend in, who i talked about in california mm -hmm. like he's mm -hmm. my age and hasn't found anyone because you know no one's a fit mm -hmm. you would describe it a little bit differently but no one's a fit and i hear you describing you know mm -hmm. it wasn't a fit it wasn't a fit and i just so that's why i'm curious like how i feel like it is important to you you know my knowledge of you as a human being is my perception is you really love intimacy mm -hmm. emotional intimacy conversational intimacy like you know yeah i haven't experienced it directly with you but physical intimacy <laughs> um you know i i i feel like i can feel how important it is to you mm -hmm. so it it's very important yeah so you know part of me wants to be like when are you going to get that for yourself man like when are you going to mm. you know or do you think it's not a priority or what or i mean that's why i'm asking you i know you said you want a primary relationship is that you called it mm -hmm. what is that going to take like what's that what's that need to look like do you have a sense certainly a question i've batted around yeah. you know wrestled with over the years um you know by being too picky too um too limited or is there some emotional issue that I just keep avoiding rather than pushing through and working on. Um, and, I, you know, I think there's some truth in all those things. And also like this, those things aren't enough of an explanation. You know, is it just, I haven't met the right person? Maybe I think a combination of all those things really is, is probably more likely for why it hasn't happened yet. Um, also I have worn condoms <laughs> <laughs> from time to time. Oh. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. There's, there's like, uh, I recently watched a, a video explaining in more detail, scientifically explaining the, the, this journey of the sperm to the egg. Right astounding just such an astounding miracle it's worth revisiting that if you if, if the last time you heard about it was 10th grade science or sex ed class 
it's worth a revisit because it is such an astounding journey. Mm. But it's it's filled with so many times at which it could have worked or not worked. Right. Like the eventual successful sperm, like that one of whatever it is, 10 million or 100 million. Depends on the guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> In my case, it's a hundred million. hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> or if that's the low number, it's a thousand thousand million. hundred, hundred. It's a Brazilian. Yeah, it's a Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> it goes up if there is a Brazilian. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many amazing little things. Like the the um the vagina has these little pockets. And if if the woman has an orgasm during sex she's more likely to like promote and assist the sperm in their journey like like um there's little pockets like she'll tuck away some of the sperm for later not she as in the person is doing this but the this happens in yeah. the uterus and there's all these other little like chemical differences that if the, the woman's mood and her feeling of safety and and pleasure all inhibit or support the sperm's journey anyway that that whole um fate thing like who knows you know i don't know are like you the sperm in this scenario i'm, <laughs> I'm not sure i might be the pocket <laughs> someone's saving you for later <laughs> sure <laughs> it's maybe i am the vagina and I'm saving that relationship for later. Mm. Um, I'd like to think of it that way. That'd be nice. You'd like to think of yourself as a vagina? As, a, as a pocket in a vagina? <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I have to spend a little more time thinking about you that. Might to you determine. might want to work, flesh some of this out a little more before you share it with the world next time. <laughs> it's, it's improv. I'm an improvisational person. Huh. Yeah, you know, I I would certainly like to find that yeah. within myself and you know f find that part of myself figure it out within myself and then also you know find a person that's a good fit and for whom I'm a good fit. Whatever the hell that means. I, definitely what that means has changed a lot for me. Yeah. Like in some ways I've gotten more flexible about certain things and less flexible about other things. Like I'm much more clear about my deal breakers right now, which just that keeps me from getting into relationships that aren't going to work out for those reasons. And the polyamory thing's still pretty new. Also, I've just been, I wouldn't by far at all in any way consider myself an expert. I've just been exploring it a bit for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and like I said earlier, it's super diverse. Um, it's a lot of things that fit under the umbrella of polyamory and I'm not, I'm not even set on polyamory or monogamy. I think both of them have pros and cons. And I think both of them fit me in certain ways and don't fit me in certain ways. Right. And it's a lot like our form of government. <laughs> Should it be a democracy or a monarchy or oligarchy or like all, all these systems are limited by them by the people employing them and there's no great system 
just like finding the one that's the least painful or well they the become most. limited by the fact that they become systems and then they have to kind of operate within these they they this perceived need to operate within these guidelines and limitations i think that's mm -hmm. where the biggest problem is because mm -hmm. then the flex the inherent the necessary flexibility that should be inherent mm -hmm. is no longer there right you know right. or it stops it, it has a ceiling right um yeah natural systems need yeah. to adapt yeah um well i i wish it for you thanks um i do very sincerely like i remember you know there was a time that i was playfully saying i was like i think everyone should just get you know pregnant by accident and be forced into the situation like mm -hmm. you know there was a time when it was going well enough you know mm -hmm. we'd have a lot more people um we have plenty of fucking people we've got i almost 20. think we'd have fewer people because like i wasn't looking to have a i didn't want to double down you know, <laughs> and have another child like that was a conversation for a while oh yeah yeah because my ex comes from a big family right you know she has two brothers and a sister there's four of them mm -hmm. i'm an only child my father had a child with a second a second marriage mm -hmm. later and then my mom married someone with two existing kids so theoretically i have a half brother and it's interesting you know um yeah it's what was the one between interesting and complicated? Uh, it's kind of a funny story. Kind of a funny story, right? <laughs> That's it. It's kind of a funny story. Um, you know, but I'm, so I'm pretty close with my brother. I'm not so close with my stepbrother and sister anymore. Uh, I did not feel the need to have another child or even the desire. Mm -hmm. you, know? Um, you know, she was like, well, I'd like to, I'd like her to have a brother or sister. I had a brother or sister. It's nice to have somebody have your back or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and all these things. And, and I get that intellectually, but I don't, I, I don't get it experientially, mm -hmm. even though I enjoy having my brother, but we don't, you know, we're 12 years apart. I mean, we have mm -hmm. as close a relationship as people who are 12 years apart can have. I mean, it's right. and different mothers That's... and a very contentious, you know, a lot of contention around his mom and my dad my relationship with his mom like that's not yeah that's not a pretty story at all right so the fact that he and i have a relationship it really speaks to how important it's been to me and to him to stay in each other's lives yeah, to just make it happen yeah so uh so i do you know not that i feel like it can only happen the way it happened for me mm -hmm. um but if it's not happening any other way uh it's not the worst thing if it happens that like this mm -hmm. um, i mean another part of me will just turn around and disagree with myself and be like i don't recommend it at all because you know the aftermath is sure messy you know, sure. it's been messy for a while now and it's not, it's not really getting better you know? mm -hmm. um but having if if you want if someone doesn't want children i don't think they should have them because there's plenty of kids like there's no need for more kids right but if someone right. does want remember, kids, remember to have your children spayed or neutered <laughs> <laughs> and then let them go around at the yeah, park that's fine you can go around with whoever you want that's right uh but i think if you do want a, a child then you should do it because it's the greatest mm. there are things about it that are the greatest mm -hmm. and that there's nothing else that comes close mm. um 
I've heard that from multiple father friends. Yeah. Remember, two of them actually used the same phrase. Two guys had never met each other. Um, both of them in the same context. They had like a one or two-year-old. They were both talking about their baby. Right. I think one of them was holding the baby. The other one was like talking about and it was as if he was holding but they both like looked down at the baby and then you know either real or imaginary and then looked up at me and said this is amazing you gotta try this yeah like the same words yeah. both of them like this was like a few years apart they both were like you gotta try this like, i remember when sula was born and i was alone with her for the first time maybe three hours after she was born the, you mm -hmm. know um George's mom had left and the doctors and nurses had left and Georgia went to the bathroom and I was just alone holding Sula mm. and she's looking up at me and, you know, but you know, their eyes are fuzzy. They can't see that well, but it, you right. know, it, it felt like eye contact. <laughs> um, she was not seeing right at you. Yeah. She, she was, <laughs> she was not looking right at me. Yeah. Um, or not seeing it. No, you said it right. Um, and I just looked down at her and I, I mean, I just, I remember it's such a cliche moment, but I just remember crying. Like just, I just burst out crying, not horribly, but mm -hmm. full on crying. Mm -hmm. And, and I was like, and it was the feeling of you ruined my life and I couldn't be happier about it mm -hmm. because that life without oh, her, you know, right. Needed to get ruined. Yeah. Like that was a shit life. That was oh. an empty life. Mm. And, and she ruined it by coming into it. Mm -hmm. Like in, so I, I, you know, this is like, I always, you know, this is why I'm glad I'm not a politician and people are just like sound biting me, hopefully, right. you know, cause my daughter did not. She ruined a life that you didn't want. She, she didn't, ruined a life that I didn't know I didn't want. You didn't know exactly. Yeah. You know? It's like getting fired from a job that that you've always hated. That just sucked. It was like quitting working for you. <laughs> <laughs> or firing you. <laughs> uh, and I, I got fired like three times within like two years, all from shit jobs that I hated that were just sucking the life out of me. And every time I was like, oh man, this is so, you know, I was so bummed about getting fired. And years later I was like, whoo. Yeah. Thank, I mean, just so thankful. You know, the worst thing that could have happened to me was to be really good at those jobs and stick with them. Right. I might still be there, deeply miserable. So is your memory that you fired me? I think we just decided to not. Yeah, no, I think we, I think we both it, were like, this it, isn't the best relationship yeah. for us to be it, in. It yeah. wasn't an employer-employee thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious if, like, but, I broke up with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it was, wouldn't have been as funny to, it's going for the joke. Oh, okay. Well, no, well, then I would, then I was like, I was curious. Well, cause you know, I've heard you sort of, I've, I've been in the room where we sort of both told the story Uh huh. and I, and I feel like as with any situation, we remember it slightly differently. <laughs> yeah. There's the truth <laughs> and, and your, his, and your his, version is in the truth. I was going to say his, hers, but. Since you want to be a vagina, you would be the her in this situation. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just, uh, do we need to truth? 
truthify I, that? I think we're good because I don't actually remember it well enough to argue about it. Well, that's not true. I don't need to know anything about something to argue about it. But <laughs> but in this case. In the, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think we got it. I mean, it, we just we were just like. Yeah. yeah. No, I think we're both like this isn't. Yeah. This isn't. This isn't what we want. Yeah. Yeah. Let's agree to work with other people. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jason. But I think we should work with other yeah. people. I just want you to know that if we stop working together, <laughs> it's not about you. Yeah, it's not. Uh, actually, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, that'd be my next website. You know, fireme.com or whatever. You're fired.com. You're fired. I, breakups not I, breakup.com. I, it may not be out there. I don't think the I don't think the service is out there. Uh -huh. um, I couldn't get the website because someone had bought it. I could have gotten it hyphenated, but that wasn't good enough for me. Somebody had and was sitting on breakup.com because they wanted to have a business helping corporations break up or breaking up, you know, breaking up corporations. It was like post pretty woman, you know, that whole thing. Uh, venture capitalist. Yeah, some bullshit like that. Um, nothing as romantic as what I wanted. <laughs> ending relationships for people yeah i mean if you're breaking up a corporation are you really gonna just like do a google search i have no on the idea. word breakup i don't know i don't know uh, who should we call on them? Hmm. oh here are the experts let's oh look at this yeah Good. nearest i could tell that's what they were doing with it yeah so. you know the hyphen's not a terrible thing uh, Plus, there's all the new endings. I'm anti-hyphen. Oh, the new endings are worse. If you're not if you're not unhyphenated.com, you might as well not exist. <laughs> I don't know why I find that judgment so funny, so final. Uh, if you own a business and you rely on searchability and web and people finding you, um, being hyphenated is a it works against you. Hmm. Um, it'll, it will become less so because all the websites are taken, like all the, all the mm -hmm. single words are taken. Oh yeah. A lot of double words are taken. And, mm -hmm. you know, I remember, uh, when I got a website, I was going to make a movie called, is there anybody out there who really knows? And I was really psyched that I got the website and someone's like, you really think there was going to be competition <laughs> is there for that? <laughs> so, you know, when you have, what a is, great is idea, there anybody out there and who really knows.com? I had the website for a while, yeah. Uh, I think I bailed on it because I bailed on the project. But, yeah. Well, certainly someone's nabbed it by now. Yeah. Well, you know, I had a company called Backseat Productions, and I just abandoned the the web domain, mm -hmm. and somebody did take it. I was like, I should have sold it. That was dumb. Yeah, Backseat. That's a decent. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it sounds like a sounds like a, a porn company i know <laughs> so when i was getting my business cards made for backseat productions in la this mm -hmm. woman was also getting her business cards made in the same place but she i think was an adult actress she gave me her card <laughs> <laughs> when i told her it was backseat production she's like oh here's my card huh. i was like um i thought she was interested in me she just wanted work it's la they're not necessarily mutually exclusive in that no field, not in that maybe. industry yeah apparently or i guess suppose in any I don't think she was expressing romantic interest in me. I think she assumed I was mm -hmm. what you assumed when you heard a producer. The yeah. yeah. Although Backseat Productions is an audio company in like Tennessee or something. Um, that's mm -hmm. if you go to backseatproductions.com, they do audio engineering or something like that. I don't know why they call it Backseat Productions. 
they can't afford a studio and they just do it out of their van maybe yeah who knows yeah so um no well, offense this, this bsp been, pardon me no offense to bsp to bsp well this has been awesome man everything i dreamed it would be and then some mm-hmm. um i don't know that i understand polyamory any more than i did when we sat down but um, great it's getting perfect that's, you're getting that's closer spot on yeah yeah <laughs> that's my experience I think the thing I'm most impressed by with polyamory is the communication, mm-hmm. like how good you have to get at communicating in order to make those relationships work and be as, yeah, you know, non-damaging as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's it's another one of those uh, forced practice kind of situations, like. There's more people involved. There's right. more stuff to talk about. And if you don't talk about it, things go things go poorly. Um, and it ripples outward in your in your community. So there's there's more there's more interconnection. Right. Like there's more lines of communication open. So there's more accountability. So like if you if you aren't communicating well then more people are hearing about it. More people that are close to you are hearing about it. So there's a good kind of motivator there to, no, get you know, get your shit together. And it's like, good God, you're allowed to sleep with other people. Like, talk, so talk about it. All we're, all we're asking right. is to be honest. Like, the thing that probably 87% of all the lies told in the world are, are about... Well, it's just a guess. That's, <laughs> that sounds like a very precise number. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's been taken off the table. Like, you, yeah. you know, you're allowed to acknowledge and even sometimes act on attraction to other people. So just talk about it. Well, I think the bigger theme of opening up the lines of communication around the way people really think and feel as opposed to the way we've been told we're supposed to think and feel mm-hmm. I should you know that to me is the is the sort of life lesson in there oh yeah you know? like if I, I see that happening in in all these different contexts even within the culture of monogamy or all these different worlds uh yeah that i mean that's my favorite trend happening in the world right now. Is that people are communicating more? Be, um, being more honest, being more transparent, mm. being more compassionate, living their values. You think those things are happening in the world? I do. I think they're happening in your world. I think, but my world is part of the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very small part. But, <laughs> it's not the 87%, I'll tell you that. It's. I think those things are happening. No, I, I agree with you. You know, like, I, I don't think Bernie Sanders would have in any way stood a shot 15 years ago or 30 years ago. Yeah. That's a big part of, I think, what, what he's, he's just a, that was a big part of his appeal, I think, was that when he had the whole underdog stick up for the little guy kind of appeal, but also was just like, um, in very concrete ways, talking about living our values. Yeah. Like, oh, you like Christian values, like taking care of your neighbors and 
you know, being kind. Like, all right, well, how do you actually do that? It's a great thing to say. Right. And, you know, great, you know, it's not who dies with the most Bibles. It's, it's how do you actually live these values? Like, how do you, how to, <clears throat> and I, I really do think that is changing. I think it's also like the, the universe has balance, like, at the, uh, you know, on the one side, things are becoming more transparent and open and people are making, are getting better at communicating about and living their values. And like the, the level and quantity and type of suffering in the world today is just vastly beyond anything that's ever existed. Oh, it's, um, it's, it's beyond unbelievable. It's, it's, it's astounding. Like yeah. it, it's, you, if you can, you can just dip your toe in it and become overwhelmed. Yeah. Like if, I know. You know, looking through any type of news source, if your heart is open and you, and you, and you look at any type of news source within a few minutes, you're just drowning. Well, what's crazy is how desensitized we're becoming to the horrors of the world because that's the freeze thing yeah, that you were talking exactly. about. Exactly. We're a bunch of gazelles. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, boy, you know, I wonder what the um, somatic experiencing that will be necessary. Hmm on a societal level mm -hmm. to undo the level of freeze that has had to happen in us so that we can survive just the atrocities that we're exposed to on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. It's just unreal. Yeah. Thawing that freeze, so to speak, is yeah. an enormous task. And, uh, it's also, I mean, what could be more important? Like not just thawing the freeze, but as we thaw the freeze, as we allow the sensitivity to be greater, like a, a friend of mine is a um, practitioner, SEP, Somatic Experiencing Practitioner, and she posted on something on Facebook recently about um, a video that was going around about shark finning. It's like, absolutely disgusting practice where um, people fish for sharks, catch them, cut off their fins and throw the live finless shark back in the water to drown or like the shark. Ugh, so nauseating <clears throat> shark can't swim without its fins. Right. So they just sink to the bottom and eventually die. Or Do they, they need to surface to swim? Are they like, well, do they need to breathe above water or can they breathe underwater? Um, I think the act, I'm not sure exactly, but I think the action of swimming circulates water and thus oxygen through them. So they don't need to be, they don't have a blowhole. They're not like a whale that has to. Surface. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they breathe air, but in whatever case they need motion to, to right. breathe, but it's a very slow death and other animals will just eat them alive. And it's just disgusting. And it's all for the fin. Right. For the soup, right? For yeah. Shark fin soup. Or possi possibly for. Um, don't tell me it's an aphrodisiac. I don't know. Uh, a cartilage. I think there's there's some. Um, MSN or chondroitin might be made from um, shark cartilage. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, the um, point is she was this practitioner a friend of mine was posting her reaction. She was just was like sobbing in tears. And one could say like, oh, look, you know, 
10 years ago, she might not have cried about something like that. She might've been able to just read it and keep on going, but she's done this work on herself and opened her heart. And now she reads this thing and she can't just glaze over it. Mm. She's come out of freeze and she's just grieving because it's a horrible fucking thing. Right. That might seem like in some ways that's a step forward for her. And in some ways, some folks might say it's a step backwards. She's become more sensitive, more vulnerable. But that's what we need to be in order to be less tolerant of things that are fucking horrible. Right. Like we're, we're like a glazed over sheep population that's okay with horrible things because we go into freeze and, it, and it, every step that we take towards melting our hearts, opening our hearts, coming out of this freeze or shielded defensive thing and just allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and to be upset by things that are upsetting or angry at injustice, for example, that moves every time that happens, that moves the whole world closer towards a future that I think that we want. So yeah, feels really important. And every time that two people do that, every time that two people talk out a conflict instead of just staying distant or angry or just avoidant actually like work it out soften their hearts hear each other out every time they do that i think the whole world takes this like tiny step towards less injustice less hurting each other so now those two people are still connected in a way they recognize each other's needs feelings like it's polyamory changing the world for the better maybe you know, if it just causes a bunch of people to have more conversations about how their actions affected each other. Yeah, that, that's worth it. Even if those conversations don't go well, even if people are just stumbling through it, we're working at it, we're figuring it out, figuring out how to talk with each other, how to be honest, how to like hear someone else be honest about their own experience, even when it triggers me. And like what you said, you you had a few really potent, honest sharings today. I think that, that gives me more permission to be honest about the things that I find difficult in my life and maybe the listener. <laughs> Who, by the way... Who is not talking to anyone. It's <laughs> the, the last person on earth. Yeah. Listening to the last podcast on earth. Who knows? The listener might be the one. Might be my the one. It could be. <laughs> Should we leave? Make your phone number available? It's. Uh, you just have to track me down. Shouldn't be too hard. Okay. All right. I'm on the internet. <laughs> Find you on Tinder. Where where, they, where should they look for you? That's uh, yeah, all those. All <laughs> Tinder match fish in the sea, plenty of fish, whatever it's called. Um, they're probably all taken. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is great, dude. It was awesome. And uh, I'd say we'll have you back again soon, but I can't imagine, you know, ever wanting to do that again. <laughs> no, no, the opposite. I just feel like uh, I feel so complete. Mm. Like, you know, that's not to say you're not welcome back anytime. Mm -hmm. We would have a fun time. It's not like I don't want to have yeah. lunch with you again just because we had a fun lunch. <laughs> but I just um, I eat lunch every day. This is what <laughs> <laughs> even after a good breakfast. Um, this is. Uh, I feel very full mm -hmm. very complete yeah. in only positive ways yeah 
So yeah, me too. That being said, if we did talk again, I I would love to talk about the village. Just the idea of the village, and that's something that's really alive. You for mean me. the it takes a village that village that village, yeah. Not just to raise a child, but so much to it. Like, um, well, give us a teaser for what that'll be like when we when we do have you back to talk about the village. Um, it's possible that some portion of our history we lived in smaller groups, like forty to eighty people. Um, that polyamory was might may have been common. This is possible. Um, it's hard to say exactly, but. Um, it is pretty likely that we lived in these smaller groups and within groups like that, people know a lot more about each other. There's more transparency and accountability that just happen as a result of that size group. Mm. And that when we live with 10 million people in a city, we lose something with that or even 80,000 people in a city. We lose some of that natural accountability and also like the natural organic interactions that happen when you just bump into people because you're in a small space um and it i've been really feeling a craving for that type of life i don't necessarily want to like get 60 people and move to the woods and isolate from the rest of the world that's not what i'm saying but that level of closeness and connection and just organic, spontaneous interactions and interconnections. Like you work with somebody and maybe your brother and their sister are lovers. And there's all these different ways that people are overlapped and you don't necessarily have to make plans to see people. It just happens. Right. You have to make plans not to see people. Yeah. <laughs> In a village of 60. Yeah. You got to go out of your way. I remember meeting this woman who was a pharmacist in a small town. Uh-huh. And she's like, I know everything about everyone. She said this uh-huh. woman came in for, you know, to get a, some antibiotics for an STI. And right. then her husband came in. And sure <laughs> enough, the next day I found out who the guy was. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. So, that was not a polyamorous relationship. That was cheating. Yeah. 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 Some non-communication happening there. Yeah. But the truth comes out the anyway. The truth comes out and the pharmacist knows. Yeah. Well, and the husband found out. Hmm. So he didn't know who. He just found out it happened. Right. There's a level of truth. That who knows? I mean, we really him. can't know who gave it to whom. But uh, maybe the husband was having an affair with the other That's, guy. But I don't <laughs> <think> so. <laughs> or someone from another town. It's, yeah. But it all happened within this small town. So. Mm-hmm. Um, cool man well now you've talked about the village now there's nothing left to talk about fair enough there's always stuff left to talk about yeah there aren't too many people with whom I laugh as often and about as many different kinds of things as with you Mm. that's that's one of my favorite parts the willing you know what it is it's the willingness to go there like Mm -hmm. and especially and my favorite thing about that with you is I think your place in this village of Asheville mm-hmm. you know people know you rightfully so as such a like you tend to fall on the right side of things you know you're politically correct mm. you're very sensitive to people's feelings I think you know that's my perception anyway 
Hmm. You know, whenever I hang out with you and your friends, all the people are like, you know, really nice and caring and pretty gentle. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm always like fish out of water in that room. (laughs) I'm the shark getting his fin cut off, (laughs) swimming to the bottom and cutting his own fin off, swimming to the bottom and drowning. So my, you know, what I take great pleasure in when we're together is accessing that other side of you that's, um, you know, a little evil, mm-hmm. but, and a, you know, with a smile. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that can go to those places and say those awful things. And like, I feel, I, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like I'm your friend where you get to go be that guy. Like, it's a safe place for you to. Yeah, definitely. Um, it definitely comes out. I appreciate that it comes out with us. Um, I can go there with some other folks, not necessarily in the same way or the same quantity. Yeah. Or with, you know, so much. I might double check with other folks a little more often than I do with you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't remember the last time you double checked with me on something. Like, wait, was that actually offensive? <laughs> I think the last time I did that with you is that like, you, you were you were unequivocal. You're like, if it's funny, that was it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, if it, yeah. It's, it's, it's period. Yeah. It's okay. Then. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I like it when the conversation goes to a place that's, you know, really exploring those boundaries of heinousness, mm-hmm. you know, but in a, in a fun, funny way. I mean, for the sake of being funny, mm-hmm. like it's not, I'm not interested in conversations that are really racist that are actually racist, mm-hmm. you know, or actually whatever is, mm-hmm. you know, that's got no value to me. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to be associated with it. Right. Now I think everybody's level of when a conversation reaches that point is different. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But you're funny as one thing. Hate is another. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I haven't had too many conversations with you, which were actually about the hate. No, yeah, they were mostly about the funny. That's how we roll. I hope you're still listening because that is amazing. When I launched this podcast, I couldn't wait to get Michael on the couch. There's a dynamic ebb and flow to our discussion and a strong willingness to go deep and get real. I cherish the time I get to spend with Michael Hurd. We have a long history of making each other laugh and think. Hopefully, you will think we're as funny and wise as we think we are. If you like what you heard, please visit our website, use our Amazon portal, and rate us on iTunes. Make sure you tell all your friends about Learning to Fail, and if you feel so inclined, please consider making a donation on our donation page. That way, we can keep failing fraternally. <laughs>